This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You're listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Exile, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I am Rich Crate alongside, as always, the leader of the hardcore wrestling intelligentsia and a good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? You know, it's usually, I, I watched four major pro wrestling shows this week, and we're going to talk about all four of them. And I didn't like any of them. I didn't. <laughs> it was a bad week. We'll talk about it. Yeah. I didn't like any of the four shows. And normally that would make for a really good show because you're going to get some passionate rants, right? You're going to get some anger. You're going to get some passion. You're going to get, you know, because a lot of times it's a lot easier to talk about things that are bad and bang on things that stink than it is to praise things that are good. Um, It is easier to do that, which is why, you know, which is one theory why, you know, social media and Twitter is 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 largely negative a lot of the time because I think it's just easier to spit out negative takes than, it, and it's more fun to be negative sometimes uh, than it is to to just spit out positive takes. And with what we do, I think it's easier for us to be passionate and 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 uh, and and be fiery when something's bad and you can pick on it. Now I think. This particular show has a really good balance because when we really love something, I think that comes across too. And honestly, I think for all the attention we get sometimes for our rants and, and all the silly shit that we say when something sucks, I think what people like most about this show is that we're passionate about the stuff we like. I really think that's more of a hook. Um, but, but this week, there's four bad shows that I watched or shows that I didn't enjoy. I don't really have hot... Now listen, I'm going to kill the next three hours for everybody. I don't. Yeah, she's way to way to get it ready to really sell the rest of the. Uh, I, I don't really have going. hot, fiery, ranty takes on this <laughs> stuff because what I watched was a bunch of mediocre wrestling that didn't move my needle in any discernible way. I'm not angry about it. I didn't think any of it. I think I watched four shows and I think I liked like two. I think I really liked like two of the matches I saw on these four shows, and the rest of it wasn't necessarily bad wrestling. It was just wrestling that existed. It was wrestling that happened. And it, it, it's like, you know, I, I don't expect, you never know what happens. It's not too hard to set me off. But I don't really expect to go on crazy rants about this stuff because I really, not a lot of these matches weren't awful. I wish some of them were so I could have a better jump point. But it's just, God, this was just four shows of mediocrity. And, there's nothing harder to talk about for three hours than mediocrity. Yeah, it's it's going to be tricky because obviously I, I was I was away last week and and thankfully you did a great job filling in. Of course, you're doing a solo show. Oh, but, like um, you listened, yeah, I, you. Oh, I didn't listen. Yeah, yeah no, 
course. I heard you were. I heard your uh, your your. Uh... Heard good things about your family rant at the end, though. Not rant. I don't know what I called it a rant. It definitely wasn't a rant. Your, your discussion about being a stepfather. Heard uh, great things about that. I haven't listened to it yet because, you know, I've been watching bad wrestling. And, that, and that, what I was going to say, though, is, you know, I get off the plane. It's it's Sunday at, like, you know, midnight or whatever is when I get off. I finally get off the plane. And, and pretty much from that point forward, any free time I had, I said, okay, well, I had to watch Hell in a Cell. We had two destruction shows. There was some other stuff. The CML anniversary show came up. And... One by one, I'm watching this stuff in, in, in very weird orders, and nothing is hooking me. And it's like this horrible thing. We're going to talk about it here in a little bit where, as you said, nothing that was truly awful. Like, I'm not going to come on here. There, there's some stuff in Hell in a Cell that I, I think I'll be able to rant about, and maybe I'll get you fired up on. Uh, there's one match in the Destruction shows that I, I'll, I'll get a little fired up on and whatnot. But, yeah, a lot of it was just kind of mediocre, and it was weird because then I was trying to find the next thing in uh, Okay. Well, the, the, the Hell in a Cell didn't work for me. The Destruction shows didn't work for me. I'm going to move on to something else. So I found MLW. They had their war games. Of course, I haven't watched that. Then that stunk. And I was like, oh, come on. Like, Joe, I had to go to Wrestle fucking 1 to find something I found passion in. in. I had to go to Wrestle 1 to find matches and moments and stories that I was involved in and invested in. And it was great. I watched that right before we went on the show here. Because I was really worried that, like you, I was going to come on the show and just be like, yeah, all right, well. All right, we can talk about Hell in a Cell, but who fucking cares? You know what I mean? Like, I, I honestly thought, Joe, we could get through Hell in a Cell in 20 minutes because I don't know that I have that much to say about it. And I thought we could also probably get through the destructions in 20 minutes or whatnot because I had not, you know, not a ton to say about it. But I think watching Wrestle 1, for whatever fucking reason, Wrestle 1 being the one, was like the last vestige this week of me to find wrestling that I was passionate about. And that's, not, I don't know why it was this week in particular. It just seemed to be the confluence of a lot of shows that you said weren't truly bad enough to come on here and, and, and have, you know, one hour hilarious, you know, we're crying, laughing so hard, uh, burying it type things, but a lot of just mediocrity, just a lot of shows that existed. And when they were done, you clicked that X and you said, I will never remember the show ever again. I will never remember that match ever again in my entire life. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, an interesting one here, but we do have some news, uh, as long with those uh, reviews, some fun news, some uh, exciting news around the wrestling world. Um, but yeah, we had all that coming up. Uh, one quick aside, I just wanted to tell you, uh, I hadn't told you this. Uh, but on my plane ride home from Denver, I had one of these weird moments where, you know, this show almost got me in a ton of trouble. So we we get on the plane and and we're we're kind of late to board and we have to sit next to a guy. It, it's one of these things where you know there weren't any open seats left, there wasn't any open rows left. So you know Michelle and I had to sit next to a guy. So we essentially we sit in the row and he's you know he seems nice. I go hey how's it going? Yeah, he goes hey what's up? He's looking at his phone. He doesn't really care to to, to interact with us or do anything. Uh, so the plane starts moving and I look over. I'm doing the thing. You know where. And I'm sure you've done this too, Joe, where you look at the person's phone next to you, right? You kind of want to see what they're looking at. You don't stare, but you can't help but notice what they're scrolling at a little bit, right? Are you, are, am I the only weirdo that does let, that, or let do me you tell do you it as well? If you're not trying to look at every phone within eyeshot on an airplane <laughs> or an Thank airport, you. Okay. every iPad, every phone, I want to catch people doing embarrassing things. I want to see someone Thank sending you. or receiving nudes. I want to see someone watching a really bad movie so I can elbow the person I'm with. And I can be like, hey, look, they're watching Carrot Top, chairman of the board on their iPad, you know, and make fun of them. I want to see what people are doing on their phones and their iPads. Rich, I don't blame you at all. I, I, you know, in that situation, I think it's perfectly acceptable to be a voyeur. Okay, thank you, thank you. I, where did you get the Carrot Top? What was it, chairman of the board? Have you watched that recently? No, or where, that was where, a... Where'd you pull that movie from? All right, that was a terrible Carrot Top movie made in like 1998, I'm going to say, or something like that. Starring Carrot okay. Top and Courtney Thorne Smith. <laughs> I, I got that it was starring Carrot Top. Yes, Thanks, and, Joe. Well, you I, never I know. I didn't know. And, Cor- and Courtney Thorne Smith, <laughs> who later starred on the the awful uh, sitcom, according to Jim, with Jim Belushi, which which somehow oh, lasted God. like eight seasons. Horrid. I don't know how. But uh, but oh. yeah, 
that just is my go-to awful movie reference that I've been using for the last 20 years is Carrot Top's uh, Chairman of the Board. I should probably update the reference. I have this friend who, whenever, like his go-to reference, like he always says, that. okay, this is his go-to for like if, if someone's talking about like a woman or whatever, he goes, yeah, she's all right, but she's no Christy Brinkley. Because <laughs> Jeez, yeah, you really his gotta... go-to reference is a model that peaked in like you know 1987. So, like, yeah, right. Like, I I never was alive when Christine Brinkley was like hot. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, you know, she obviously still attractive, but never like I was never alive for any moment of her like peak. And you know? every time I'm like, dude, can you please update the reference, Christine Brinkley? Yeah, that'd be like me dropping Sydney Margolis on people, like you know, eight year olds. Oh wow, she's no Sydney Margolis. And they're like, who the fuck is Sydney Margolis? Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm like. You're going to start saying this, and people aren't even going to know who it is. I mean, you know, she hasn't been in the new. I'm like, he's like, why? Right, well, what about Pam Anderson? I'm like, that's just another decade, but you're still 15 years behind. You, you got to update this thing. So they're just bad dated references. And my bad dated reference that I always, my go to for a bad movie is Chairman of the Board starring Carrot Top. So there you go. You, okay. you help me update it then. Maybe the listeners can come up with a better, more timely bad movie reference. Then chairman of the board starring Carrot Top. So that yeah, please do that at Voices Wrestling on Twitter or the help Joe forums, update his reference. But anyway, yes, I right because yeah, I don't watch enough movies. I don't watch. I don't. I just watch wrestling. So I don't watch any. Movies. People always ask me, "Oh, have you seen this?" Have you seen? No, I, I watch. I'm watching fucking Destruction and Hiromusha. <laughs> you know, I can't. I don't have time for fucking movies. I'm watching goddamn Hell in a Cell for four hours. So no, I don't have time for your movies. That's why it always sucks. Like people are always like, "Oh, did you see that?" And no, I see like one movie a year tops. <laughs> like yeah. But it's, it's got to be a truly horrendous movie. Don't come at me with, you know, some... I'm talking less than 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is what I need. And I need it to have taken place, you know, some point in, in the last decade. So I can stop saying Chairman of the Board starring Carrot Top. But Rich, I approve of your voyeurism. Continue on with your story. Okay. So I so as the flight's going on a little bit, we hadn't yet departed. We were still kind of in, you know, the, you know waiting to, to, to take off. And I look at his phone, and I, I couldn't help but notice what appeared to be a wrestling gif show up on, on his phone as he's scrolling through through uh, what I thought was Twitter at first. I look over, Joe, this man is on the Wrestling Observer website, looking at re- results for the pre-show of Hell in a Cell. And this is why you're a voyeur on the plane, for, for situations yes. like this. Yes, so I see it, and I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting, because now I can if I wanted to discuss this wrestling with this guy, like this is a fan and it's not just like he's on, you know, cause, cause this is a different story. If he's on name, your random newsy website, if he's on wrestling Inc or whatever, yeah, you know, whatever, you know, he's just a, a guy that likes wrestling. I'm not going to talk to him about wrestling because I don't really want to take it on that. So that's not the guess wrestling Inc, but you know what I mean? Like, or, or whatever, name any sort of random kind of newsy site. Anybody Raja. goes on to those ones. But the fact that he was, Raja, yeah, if he's on Raja, I'm like, I'm going to probably let it go. Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, he's just a guy that likes wrestling, no problem. He's on WWE.com or whatever. I'm for sure letting it go and just, you know, just ignoring him. But I thought it was different that he was on Wrestling Observer. I was like, okay, well, you know, you don't necessarily, I, I feel like that's more of the hardcore base is, is looking at the results on Wrestling Observer Figure 4. So I was like, okay, this isn't just your fly-by-night wrestling fan. This is a dude who's who's actually pretty interested. And it was the night of Hell in a Cell, of course, going on. You know, when we were taking off is when they were just kind of, the show was just getting getting started. So I'm about to have this weird thing of, hey, do I talk to this guy about wrestling? Like, God forbid Michelle has to sit next to two people talking about wrestling, let alone just living with me. So I'm wondering, okay, well, I'll let her by. Maybe I won't talk about wrestling initially. Maybe he was just doing it quickly. He kept scrolling, kept scrolling. He was just on Wrestling Observer. I see him go onto the board. He's, like, hanging around on the board and stuff. Like, th- we, this guy might listen to the show. So if you're listening to the show, hello. Um, 
but here's this weird thing where he's doing it. He's, he's looking at the results. He's, 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 he's scrolling. He's doing all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, hey, you know, I should talk about this guy. I should say, hey, you know, you kind of hit him on the shoulder. Hey, you know, Hell in the Cell, hey, wrestling, whatever. I, I do kind of a quick look over to his phone again. And, and somebody had sent him a message again. The name on the phone was Mike, was the guy's name. So the guy sitting next to us was Mike, was his name. So I know it's Mike, and I know he's a wrestling fan. That's all I know about Mike so far. I do kind of, I hadn't looked at him when we sat down. I do kind of a quick little look over, and Joe, I'm not kidding. I spent the next two hours and 15 minutes thinking this was Mike Quackenbush sitting next to me. He looked identical to Mike Quackenbush. Well, and I, you, you, didn't, you didn't have the guts to say something or no? No. Because <laughs> if it was, I did not want to be on a two and a half hour flight sitting next to Mike Quackenbush, who obviously if I said, hey, you know, I'm rich oh, or whatever. you can't or say I thought Michelle yeah. wasn't going to know. Michelle doesn't know Mike Quackenbush. So she might say, oh, you know, he, he runs a website or, oh, voice. I did not want him to recognize my voice. Right. I didn't want him to know I was from Voices Wrestling because that is a very weird two-hour flight with what I assumed might have been Mike Quackenbush. Because right. all I knew is his name was Mike, yeah. that he was a wrestling fan. He had the same glasses, the same haircut. Everything looked, he had kind of the, the, the five o'clock shadow that Mike Quackenbush had. I was convinced, oh my God, I'm next to Mike Quackenbush. I think flight. if you thought it was Quackenbush, it probably was. Because I think once you realized, hey, that kind of looks like Quack, it, it, you, you would have recognized him at that point. You've seen enough of him to know what he looks like. It, I, yeah, yeah. And well, then I had like a, because again, like we were sitting like next to him. So I couldn't really, and he was like looking down the entire yeah. time. At one point, he had, he had like fallen asleep. So I didn't get like a, a dead on view of him at all. And we were in like the second to last row. So there's nowhere I could have gone where I would have been able to get a better view of him. So I saw one side of his face pretty much the entire time. And I was too chicken to like knock him on the shoulder and say, Hey, you know what's up? Or, you know, and, and he was at the row, he was on the row. So it's like, even when we got our drinks, I couldn't do the, Oh, Hey, here's your drink. You know, the hand him the pretzels or hand him the drink. I couldn't even do that. So thankfully though, I will tell you this. And it's the reason why I, I specified that I spent two hours and 15 minutes of a two hour and a half flight is at one point, I saw him open his phone, and it was Mike, some random name. It was some, it wasn't. Ah, it, what a wasn't, false finish here. Unbelievable. You I'm know. sorry. It wasn't Mike Quackenbush. It was Mike Thomas. or so, I, I forget what the exact name was, but it was so, it was this weird two hours and 15 minutes where I was like, and Michelle would say something, and I was kind of like, <laughs> I would like whisper back, because I know, you know, Quack's, he's a strange fella. He knows us. He listens to the show. You know what I mean? Like, he, people have recognized my voice before. He is aware. My, I, he is I feel a, like Lightning Mike Quackenbush would listen and hear my voice and go, ah, I know this guy, or I recognize this voice. Something would, would pique his interest in some way, shape, or form, correct? He, he's aware of us for sure. Um, he is not a fan of Joel Anza. That's certain. And yeah, there's a, there's a decent chance he knows who you are, by name at least. But, uh, but that doesn't matter because you were sitting next to, you know, uh, you know, you were sitting next to Mike Miller, uh, accountant, accountant <laughs> <Right>. from Pittsburgh, <laughs> right? Who lives in Chicago so, and who was just calling his wife when he landed and and stuff. So yeah, it, it, I'm sorry for the false finish there, but uh, it was it was an interesting two hours and fifteen minutes. Whereas I debated uh, ever so much if I should ask if he's actually Mike you know opening up and, a and wrestling people. conversation, even with a figure four slash observer reader, is dangerous because it you could end up in a conversation that you do not want to be in. Um. So Correct. I don't, right. and that that was my worry as well, is because then you can't. You're on a plane, you can't avoid it. If this guy wants to talk wrestling the rest of the day, you're stuck with it. Like you can't just say, "All right, well, I'm just gonna go like play games or whatever." <laughs> like, because he's probably, you know, and I would be that way too if someone started talking to me. I'd probably want to talk wrestling, but if we're not on the same wavelength, it could be very awkward and very. Yeah, and what if he's in, like a in, big in fan time. of like Baron Corbin, and you have to pretend that you're not thinking he's a fucking knob? You know, I call them a knob <laughs> because 
Um, Will Ospreay called me a knob, so now I'm calling everybody a knob. <laughs> did he call you a knob or did Chris Brooks call you a knob? No, 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 not Chris Brooks. Will Ospreay called me a knob for um, bashing a CCK match. That's why you're thinking yes. Chris oh, okay, Brooks. Okay. Um, but, uh, but I did meet Chris Brooks. It was a very nervous introduction from uh from our pal Allen cuz he was I guess he you know who knows maybe Chris Brooks has it out for me I don't know but um I, w- I was not introduced I was simply introduced as Joe with no last yeah, name Yeah I you, I think you told the story about Oh I did on this show This yeah. is my yeah this is my friend Joe Yeah no Joe Lanza <laughs> like not Joe like, Lanza Everyone yeah. else Hey this is Joe Lanza from Voices of Wrestling you may have heard of it Hey this is Joe Lanza Chris Brooks came over Oh this is Joe and you know, so I was like, "Hi, Chris. Nice to meet you." Um, you know, <laughs> like, I, I, you know it's a, Chris? <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that that's why because Willow Spray is mad at me because oh, I, speaking of which, I'm glad Willow Spray came up. I do have to say this, and I want to say it early in the show when people are actually listening. Um, last week I talked about Willow Spray. You know, uh, maybe or maybe not being a uh, being a bit of a worker trying to get his mom a car. Right? Uh, you weren't here for that. I followed the story though, and that was uh, yeah. It was interesting to say the least. I have to so, issue yeah. a slight correction there. Okay, he did not post the GoFundMe, and it's not even a GoFundMe. It's some variant of some other similar stuff. But that's not neither here nor there. He did not post the GoFundMe. Apparently, um, the it was set up by friends of his mother after her car was stolen. Willow Spray got a hold of it of, of it and, and and then decided to i guess um you know shoot it out to his followers um but he's not the one who set it up so i did misspeak there i don't know if that changes anyone's opinions no matter where they stood on this story or not but he didn't set up the the gofundme her friends did and then he caught wind of it and gave it the old signal boost rich so Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Because yeah, everything that I read that that he had set it up as, as sort of a hey, help my help my mom get a car. And <laughs> I flat but, out uh, said yeah. that, which and it was yeah. it, so I I got to be fair, and I have to correct it. Now I didn't really flat out bury him for the GoFundMe deal. I think it's a little look, and this is why I really wanted you last week on the show because I then got into I'm not surprised at all. First of all, that a pro wrestler may not be good with their money. I mean, give me a break. Oh God! And, no. and, and then I re- <laughs> and then on. I related it to because everyone's kind of shocked. Why didn't he just give her the two grand? You know, but then I related it to like you know how many stories have we seen of pro athletes, especially NBA players, who are just horrendous with money. And I talked about Antoine Walker, and I know that you'd be intimately familiar with all. Of the, uh, oh, of course, yeah. Lamar Odom's another yeah. famous one as well. He just has buddies running you know web companies that he has no idea about that he's paying you know two million dollars to a year. These guys have no idea. They get in investments they have no clue about. They're helping friends. It's like, yeah, it, it, it happens all the time. And, and pro wrestlers, Jesus Christ, like, hang out at a bar with pro wrestlers after a show. You'll see them drop it. You're like, dude, I know you didn't make more than $40 on the show, and you've already spent 60 in drinks. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you Go home, put that money in a fucking envelope, and go to sleep. Like, what are you doing? And in like, all serious, I know you didn't make that much on the, the money it, it, on the show. I know for a fact. Aside from the party atmosphere, it, it's also, you know, in all seriousness, people who grow up working class, lower middle class, middle class, they may not know how to handle money. It's just not a skill that they were taught. It's not a skill that they're, you know, so, it's, and, and with wrestling, you don't even need to look to other sports. Look at Ric Flair. The guy made millions in his yeah. career oh, and yeah, he has yeah. nothing. 
I mean, he's still hand to mouth. Yeah, he's hand to mouth. I mean, the second you give him two hundred dollars, he's already spent one hundred ninety nine of it right, in, in in seconds. And and that's you know, I and, and I know you watch Hard Knocks on HBO, but this year uh, they had the Cleveland Browns and they had like a seminar. I forget what it was. I think it was the defensive lineman or something like that. And they had one of the guys say like, you know, put this money in a bank account. Like, yeah, you know that you know you only made you know. 500,000 this year, but you know, that if you just in a normal bank account, will grow this, this, and this. And these guys were like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like we, we sort of take for granted because where we come, you know, I have had a savings account since I was 10 or whatever. And I'm not flush with cash, but I've been, you know, able to do that. There are a lot of people that grow up, not even either a knowing about banks or trusting banks or anything like that, where, where you have this conversation where this one guy is saying, Hey, look, you don't have to do anything with your money. Just take the money that you get from a check and put it in the bank. And these guys are like, Oh, okay. Like, don't cash it. And they're like, no, put it in the bank. And and they're being honest. They're it's in earnest that they're saying, oh, put it in a bank. Like to them, it's just, oh, I get this game check. Let me go cash it, and then I can hold on to the money. I can put it in a drawer. I can do this, this, or this with it. But the idea of giving it to a bank is it, it, foreign to them, and and that's not necessarily strictly educational or anything like that, or or, or or socioeconomical. But some people are just that way. And and yeah, I have no doubt in my mind that Will Osprey would. Would you know likely be someone that that might not be good? It, with doesn't, money. I'm not it doesn't. That he is it doesn't. Or isn't. It wouldn't yeah. surprise you if he's someone who's bad with money. Yeah, yeah. Which, right, right. which, un, which, un, which again, unless he's being corny, he clearly is. Because if he doesn't have two grand to give his mother, he's not good with his money. Because we all know he's making decent money. Um, but you know, I'm not trying to repeat the same segment from last week. But it's just interesting that that would have been a good segment for you to be around for. Because I knew you'd have decent insight. Look, it's just not everyone has money management skills. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, and I think that's something that's undertaught. I mean, I think we should teach that kind of stuff in school. And it, oh, yeah, we it's don't not something we school. teach, it's at least ridiculous. in this country. It's not something I was ever taught in school. It's not, it's kind of thing where the people around you have to teach you that. You have to have parents who teach you that. You have to have, uh, you know, if you're bad, look, we've all had um, girlfriends, boyfriends, spouses who just, one person's usually stronger with the money management. I don't think that's unusual at all to have one person to, okay. Um, this person takes all of the money and handles all of the bills because the other person is just completely inept and cannot handle that task. <laughs> I mean, in every relationship, there's usually one person who's better at that, who handles all of that, and the other person doesn't. It's just some yeah. people don't have that skill. Joel, let's just take a wild guess in my situation who is the uh, the one that takes all the money and I'm guessing you handle you that. Try to guess. Uh, you're correct. <laughs> That's very, you very creak good. open that wallet with the WD-40, and you get the checkbook out. <laughs> And, uh, see you. Okay. You say I'm cheap and then you also make fun of my vacation. Like it can't be both. Can it? I can't be this luscious, like, like vast, you know, vacationer. And then also a cheap ass. Can I, you know, you present an interesting dichotomy here, <laughs> but I think you're, maybe I am. Maybe I am the guy that only spends for like, you know, lush vacation. I think and, that's and what it is. You're I'm, so I'm, cheap you know. that you acquire, you, you stockpile all this money and then you spend it all. Again, on these, you, you take vacations like every six weeks. So um, if you average it out, it's like every six weeks. Okay, we spent a lot of time in the Voice of Wrestling offices when you were away this time in Denver. Uh, and you visited like you visited every major city in the United States. You've been to, uh, I think, what are you up to, 73 <laughs> countries? Is it 73 different countries that you've been to? So it's like... Uh, three, I believe, but yeah. I mean... You know, and we... I flew over a few more if you want we to. We averaged that, it out and you you take vacations. You don't even call them vacations anymore. You call them like weekend trips. You just take <laughs> right. you take right, jaunts right, right, right. to these exotic locales and you're back in three days. And that's more than 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 most hard working people get to do once every two years. You're out every six weeks taking vacations. So you know, I believe it. Like, you know, you're you're listen, these are the sacrifices you make when you buy the store brand green beans. You know, and when 
you know, you're just uh, frugal in other ways. You know, you're taking vacations every six weeks. <laughs> it's it's amazing how often that you take vacation. It's crazy. How do you even get the time from your job? It's it's incredible. Like. Uh, this year, I discovered that I had more time than I thought. That's actually why, because n- normally I don't, and and you know, it's it's kind of the I only get like two weeks normally, and I just never ever get sick, and I never take sick time. I just go into work sick as hell until they tell me to go home, which is a pretty good strategy if you uh, don't want to use PTO uh, on sick times. And then yeah, I really like you, you know, narrative <laughs> aside, this year I agree has been a little much because we did California, and then I had to go to you know Buffalo for a wedding, so we decided to go to Toronto. Uh, and then Denver. So I, I admit it that this year was was quite a while. But uh, yeah, so what ended up happening is maybe a few weeks ago, um, before this Denver thing, even I had the idea of uh, of going there, uh, my boss comes up to me and says, hey, you're going to ever take any of your PTO days? And I was like, yeah, I only have like two days left. And he goes, no, you have like seven days left. And I said, no, I have two days. And he goes, no, you have seven. And we went in this argument for a little while. And he was like, look, I told you you have seven days. Do you want to take seven days or not? So I was like, oh, okay. Apparently I had been gifted an extra like week that I did not know about uh, for PTO time. So I had this bonus. Uh, PTO time, but now uh, pretty much all, all used up now. So that's, that's the last thing you need. But gu- okay, so gun to your head, and then we'll move on. Willow spray, Carney, or a little bit of Ric Flair, Antoine Walker in it. Uh, probably more of the Ric Flair, Antoine Walker, but a little bit of from both categories. If that makes is that okay? Could I say both? Like I feel like he's probably more of the Ric Flair, Antoine Walker, but also kind of a Carney too. Does that is that fine? Because and we've talked about this a long time. We actually it, it it kind of works within his wrestling context as well. Is because he's kind of just like a big dumb idiot. Like he's great at wrestling, but he's kind of a fool. Like he's kind of just a stupid kid. And Jeez. you know we take and that he, for granted a little bit. He hates bit. me. He should hate you. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, come on. I'm fine. I was stupid when I was his age too. Like you know, he's tremendous at what he does, but he's kind of okay. Know, I think like, Lolo Spray. I think he's. I think he always has his heart in the right place. I think he's well intended. But I don't. I yes. don't think he thinks things through. That's how I would. No. Um, right. I think he takes people at his word a little bit too much. He's he's twenty five. Like he's still he's twenty five and he still thinks that like people are good. <laughs> like he hasn't. The world hasn't dragged him down all the way yet. And that's that's when you really become you know that extra level is when you just have yeah. no. You're you're not good intentioned. You're not because I don't think. I guess when you say good intention, I agree with that too. I don't think he straight up said, ha ha, I'm going to make these stupid fans pay for my mom's car. I think he just said, oh, they're doing a, a GoFundMe for my mom's car. That'd be cool if they, you know, people exactly. paid for it. Like, I, it was that sort of not ha ha, you know, as he's stroking his cat and laughing in his, you know, with his burlap sack with the dollar sign on it. I think more of just like, oh, cool. People want to pay for my mom's car. Like, that'd yeah, be I don't think it was done with any kind of malice or any sort of, well, uh, you know, I'm going to let the marks handle this um, instead of digging into my own pockets. I don't think there was – I think it was just – he saw it as doing a good thing. And um, didn't yeah, – Yeah, it's like, it's like with his companies, you know, with Lucha Forever or whatever the hell the yeah. new one is. Like, it, they're just kind of, you know, thrown together. Like, I know he's trying to be good, but they're just like these weird companies that don't quite make sense. And I, the, I don't think he you know, ever – canceled sometimes. Yeah, and I don't think – like, you know, I don't think like, he ever thinks about – how people are going to take things negatively that he says and does. No. And, and, and he just doesn't think about that. Right. Which I, I admire because I constantly, all that I care about is what people think about me. <laughs> and that's a terrible trait as well. So I appreciate and I kind of admire what he's able to do where he just kind of goes through life uh, without a care in the world sometimes, which is, you know, it, it's admirable. He, he could have looked at that GoFundMe and said to himself, oh, if I, I've got a lot of followers. I got fans. They'll probably help my mom here. And he never once thought to himself, Mm, but on the other side of the coin, people are going to think I'm being a bit of a carny. He never considered that. I don't think he ever thought about that. 
I think he just said, fuck it, and he put it out there. And his mom got the money into him. Everybody wins. And honestly, what the, what's the big deal? I mean, I'm glad the woman got the car, too. I mean, you know, what's the big deal here? You know, yeah, it's... Don't pay for it. I mean, no, people don't have to pay for it. <laughs> like, it's not like the gun to their head. Like, you know, Will Ospreay is not going to wrestle unless you, I mean, you don't have to. I mean, yeah, people did it because they wanted to, they, whether it was with malice or not. Like, I'm sure as shit not going to donate to, to, for Will Ospreay's mom to get a car. But if people want to, I don't really give a shit what people do with their money. I, I, I you know? saw this more. I mean, people want to turn this into some giant thing about ah, either wrestlers not making any money or Will Ospreay being a carny or. To me, I just slapped my head and said, oh, Dad, it's such a... He didn't think this through very well. and um, I'm glad the woman got her money. I mean, obviously, she was going to hit it once once he put it out there. But anyway. All right, now I guess we got to talk about these mediocre-ass shows. Uh, Which mediocre-ass show should we start with, Joe? Because there are quite a few. We could have discussed this before the show, but we did not. So nah, <laughs> Which, where do there's you no go? need to discuss things before the show. We just got to come on here and wing it. That has been the formula for success for uh, since 2012. Um, I, let's just start with Hell in a Cell. I think that uh, would you? Well, we got to start with Hell in a Cell. I think the anniversary show is the biggest show of the four. Um, but in terms of, I think when you weigh what people want to listen to, what are we doing here? Just start with Hell in a Cell. No one. <laughs> no, no one cares about these running thoughts in my head of why. Just let's just start with Hell in a Cell. All right, let's get it. Hell in a Cell, of course, from uh, Sunday. Uh, Joe, your overall thoughts of the show. We'll talk about, I think, the main event first and kind of work our way uh, backwards. I think that's probably the best way to do it. But uh, overall, what do you think? In the uh, Observer This Week, Wrestling Observer This Week, uh, you almost, not unanimous, but a very overwhelming thumbs up for this. Uh, I was following a little bit on Twitter when we did land, and a lot of people said, oh, that was the best WWE pay-per-view this year, and, you know, there's some great stuff in there. You know, this is the best Hell in the Cell match I've seen for a while. So I came in with pretty high expectations, and, and you know, I'd, I'd heard that our reviewers were kind of negative on it, and people sort of looked at them and said, oh, it's Voices Wrestling, you know, being negative again. Man, this show is over, and... Joe, I I have a different TV, a a different WWE network, or I am just so completely disconnected from WWE because I thought this was just a show. It was fine. It was okay. But the second that that marker hit the end of the show, I closed out a WWE network on my computer, and I never will ever, other than this show, I'm going to talk about it again here, I will never think of this show ever again. I had nothing strong, nothing big that really touched me on the show. I'm, I, I don't know. Am I out to lunch here on this being the best WWE pay-per-view of the year with this with the great matches and great Hell in the Cells and a match of the year contender or whatnot? I was, I was amazed when I saw the feedback. And then when I saw in the Observer, like, mostly thumbs up. Dave gave great ratings to everything. I don't know what the hell I was watching. It, it must be us. It must be me watching these shows and not the content of them. I, I don't know. This was definitely a weird one uh, for me. Well, there was nothing bad on this show. Um, it, well. was, it was a... <laughs> It was a weird show in that I'm watching it, and I even tweeted this out as I was watching it, but I tweeted something to the effect of, um, I'm watching this show, there's no bad wrestling on this show that I'm watching, but I feel nothing. I, 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 and, I, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm not enjoying myself, and I keep checking the, clo- the timer to see when it's over, and I want it to be over. And I wanted to be doing anything with my life right now rather than watching this show because it's so boring. Because I just don't care about anything that they do on this main roster anymore. And, you know, it's like I'd almost rather have bad wrestling that I could have fun with and make fun of and and shit on than have all of this perfectly acceptable wrestling 
with absolutely no meaning behind it. I just didn't care about anything on the show. And I think what's happening is we're reaching a point where, and we were a little ahead of the curve on this. We started talking about this maybe over a year ago where we were saying the booking and the stories are so bad in this company, but they don't, it doesn't mean anything. There's no consequence to how bad the main roster is because, you know, their, their, their business is built in a non-traditional way. We've been banging on that for a year. And I think it's finally coming to pass where with us, where because we know what we're watching has no consequence. The stories don't mean anything. The directions are pointless because they could just change on a dime. They never give satisfying conclusions to anything. It's we can't invest in it because that's what we like about wrestling. And if there's nothing to sink our teeth into or invest in, it really just comes down to that point to the wrestling in a vacuum. And I didn't think any of these matches were great. So that didn't make up for the lack of connection I have to any of it. And it was just four hours of wrestling that I couldn't wait to be over. I, 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 um, it's going to be hard moving forward to, to watch this, these pay-per-views because Rich, I don't, I don't care about a single person on the main roster. I don't care about any of a single person's story, their climb, their 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 push. Their I do, I just I feel nothing for any of these characters. And if this were just a a TV show, you'd stop watching it. If this were just another wrestling promotion, you know, you'd stop paying attention to it. But you know, we have a job to do and I've stopped watching Raw and SmackDown, but we've got to watch these pay-per-views. And yeah. And I'm not saying it's breaking rocks or, or you should feel bad, but or, but you can't just say, well, you guys should just stop watching. We can't. It's WWE. Yeah, that always comes up. That always comes up, and it's like, we, we, I mean, our, our, the, the shows that do the best numbers are usually WWE-related and whatnot. They're, they're big-time New Japan shows, and they're WWE-related. I mean, that is the two things that, it, that this show has, has largely been on, and we can't just immediately... Because if it was up to me, I would I would probably be done. I would probably pick and choose these shows, and and every month or so, see if there's a good match, and we'll talk about it and whatnot. But I have so much other wrestling I'd rather watch in WWE, but we just, unfortunately, we can't. I don't think that we could get away with it and still be sustainable the way we are. I mean, it is it is the biggest wrestling company, and we're a wrestling podcast. Yeah. And that's like, you, you kind of have to, and we've done it. We don't talk about Raw. I don't watch Raw. We don't talk about SmackDown. I don't watch SmackDown. I watch, you know, YouTube clips to kind of catch up on stuff. We don't watch those anymore. We don't watch the weekly main roster TV shows. We still watch 205 Live. We still watch NXT. We still catch up on that. But all we have left really is the pay-per-views, and, and we cannot let those go. Like, that we cannot... In good conscience, just completely not. I mean, maybe, maybe it does come a time where we maybe do skip uh, one or two, but I don't. I just don't think we could ever do that. I think we, we can't do uh, the show we the do show. and ignore these shows. Right. Exactly. It, it, that's just a, that's a simple way to sum it up. We can't do the show we do and ignore these shows. It, it, you know, it, it, on top of being a bad business decision, it'd be bad for our listeners. I think, even though we don't like them, I think people still want to hear us talk about them and give our opinions on. So, you know, we can't stop doing them. But I think to answer your question that I never answered, I think that this show is generally getting positive reviews because there was nothing horrible on it. Most of the wrestling was good. And I do think it was probably one of the better pay-per-views this year, but their pay-per-views have been fucking horrible this year. Right, so so I'm not going to throw roses because they didn't step on their dicks for three hours. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's kind of what... And I'll be honest, like, there was a lot of stuff in this the show that I'm going to 
criticized a lot because I think the finishes were atrocious on this show. Even if the wrestling was okay, the finishes, I thought, across the board, given how many agents they have, given how many people are involved in these things, we had three of the same finishers, two cop-out finishes, stuff that just did not make sense in canon whatsoever, just shit like that. But again, ultimately, at the end of the day, you can get upset and you can get mad, but it doesn't fucking matter. They chug on. The next day, everything kind of resets and goes right back to where it was before with no care in the world of what happened the night prior or what happened the week prior or what happened, you know, it doesn't matter. Hours later. I, hours later does not matter. Seconds later don't matter. No, because there's no... It's, con- over, listen, it's over and it's in the past. Because there's no yeah. consequence. Raw just did their, what, what was it, their sixth lowest rating ever and, and their lowest rating yeah. since June? doesn't matter. They just got a billion dollars for it. So if there's no consequence, why would it ever improve? You know, it's just, they're lucky that networks need content. They, you know, and, 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 you know, we've talked about that ad nauseum. It doesn't fucking matter that they're siphoning viewers and, 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 and how shows aren't doing well. And I'm tired of this bullshit, nonsensical, not rooted in fact of any form whatsoever that the fans, the live fans who constantly shit on what this company does, how many times are they going to have to, how many times are they going to present something that live crowds shit on? Whether it's yeah, we're at, we're at, we're at two straight pay per views by the way, where they had to just hit the fade to black as quickly as possible once the finish right. came on to get out of there before the crowd to shit avoid on the poor reactions of the two live crowd. Because <laughs> this one was even more, I thought this one was even more egregious than SummerSlam. It was like Brock Lesnar, blah, blah, and then it was just kind of like, what the fuck? Like I thought I hit something. I thought, oh my god, I I I, I got to go back. I refreshed the file and went back to it, thinking I may have touched something or I did something to turn it off. They just went to black immediately. Cole got his line in black. Because they know out. fans are going to negatively like respond. And if you want to make this argument that the fans that go to the shows are simply a vocal minority and do not represent the common wrestling fan, you are factually wrong because look at the ratings. They are driving people away. It's not just a vocal minority at the shows. Who do you think is buying tickets to these things? It's, you know, do you think it's a bunch of observer readers buying tickets to these shows and then shitting on them? This is their base booing this shit and then not watching on Monday. And don't use the Emmys as an excuse. You know, don't use football. We get football every year. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah football's I, coming. I, it's coming. Okay. It's this is a historically thing, bad number. Yeah. And, 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 and the house shows that no one goes to anymore and they don't care about anyway. Uh, Smackdown tapings, too. I mean, and those Smackdown are tapings with literally half those. the building. Not just the top level anymore, a quarter of the building. We all laugh at that. Now it's like literally have. It's not just a vocal minority. It's everyone who's turning on this shit. But until there's consequences for that, if they're going to make billions of dollars from TV networks, they're going to sacrifice the tens of thousands, you know, for, from the house shows. It's 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 a worthwhile trade off. It it just stinks, and it's not just uh, you know smarks like me and Rich that are saying. Look at the numbers. And, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. Let's just talk about this dumb show and move on. I can't, I'm tired of talking about these talking points and I'm sure tired, I'm I'm sure people are tired of listening to them. And I think in most cases, we're just preaching to the choir anyway, because your people who are are listening to this company line of, it's just a vocal minority. They're not listening to this show. We ran them off a long time ago if they were. So we're just preaching to the choir at this point. And I think most of our listeners understand all of these points that we're making, even if they disagree on, you know, uh, some of the subtleties of the argument, they get the bigger picture. 
So, um, I don't know. Let's just let's talk about this this show. I, yeah, let's let's. Well, as I said, we'll start with the main event. I think that's the best way to go. Roman Reigns, uh, Braun Strowman. This uh, ended in a no contest. Of course, it was a hell in a cell with no contest, which a lot of people got up in arms with. I didn't really care all that much. There are some things that I really did care about a lot uh, in this match. They things that think that really really stuck out to me as being uh, pretty egregious, and that was. These two laying down for eight minutes. You know, they, they essentially Roman Reigns hits two Superman punches. Then he does a spear through a table to Braun Strowman, which we see worse than that on a monthly basis. Roman, we I laugh about it all the time. The trope of Roman Reigns spearing a guy through the barricade happens literally every single month in this in this company. Every single month he's spearing somebody through a barricade. We see Braun Strowman lift ambulances, lift stages, be crushed by a compactor. Remember Bones crushed and, 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 you know, in these back in weeks or whatever. We've seen this man. He is literally a monster among men. And we are told that constantly that he is a monster among men. In this case, Roman Reigns does a spear through a table, pin goes for a pin, gets a two count, and both men are laid out for eight minutes while other people run in and do some shit. This, I could not get over the fact. What were these geeks doing? Why were Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman laying down? It, it, again, we say this thing of consequences. You cannot have Braun Strowman rip cage doors, rip people apart, literally rip limbs, carry a porta potty on his back, move ambulances, be a monster among men, and then sell a fucking spear through a table for eight minutes. And then what is Roman Reigns down for? What did he do? He hit the spear. It, this to me was so. If this happened in any other company, if this happened in 2000 WCW, if this happened in any era of TNA, people would be gifting this, laughing about it, and lighting it with a fucking torch if two dudes were down for eight minutes while a bunch of other shit happened around them. Yet, yeah, it just kind of, people are, oh, this is a great hell of a Well, well to, be fair, I, to be fair, I, I fair, was Rich, amazed that people weren't to talking be about fair, this. everyone pretty much concedes that this match sucked. It's the rest of the show where everyone is saying that this was a great show. I think the the massive flaws in this match were recognized pretty much universally. Um, because, yeah, what you're saying is the exact reason why I can't muster any enthusiasm or give a shit about Braun Strowman anymore because his character is so inconsistent. But that speaks to the Dave Meltzer quote that you tweeted out today. It, they don't need to have logic. They don't. It, it, it doesn't matter anymore. They have an entire generation of fans, the people who do still watch Raw, who this is what they think wrestling is. They, 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 they never saw wrestling with logic or cohesive storytelling or shit that makes sense or anything that matters from one pay-per-view cycle to the next. And they're really just playing to those people now. Where you're paying attention to Braun Strowman over the last year, two years, or whatever it is, and you're wondering how he can be a Superman with Superman strength one minute and this unstoppable monster and then be completely taken out by one move in the next. And you're not wrong. And you're not wrong. And then we have Drew McIntyre and everything else climbing up the cage. I was, I didn't, what am I watching? <laughs> what is this shit? It's garbage. It was garbage. This was, this and was then, the worst match yeah, in the two show. Two dudes taking a, two dudes taking a ridiculous bump to, you know, Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler will be forgotten in two weeks for sure. I mean, Joe, do you remember this? So a lot of this build was about Mick Foley falling off the cage yeah. and Mick Foley was the guest referee on this and all this sort of stuff. Joe, do you remember a month ago when Kevin Owens took a way worse bump? Than man- mankind took, and no, not even a, 
he was back two weeks later, and now he's on Braun Strowman's side. You know, yeah, in some and, way. And, Nobody remembers that at no. all. These two dudes are falling off the fucking cage. No one's going to fucking remember it, ever. It's gone in a week. It's gone in days. Nobody fucking remembers that they fell yeah, off the cage. Yeah, because Owens did it like three table. months in a row. And it's just, it's, it's, this, co- this company, the main roster, has become just dispo- completely disposable entertainment. It is the most shat. It's it's two thousand WCW. It's two two thousand. You're not wrong. Maybe it's not as egregiously over the top as as two thousand WCW, but it's not far. No, you're not wrong. Yeah, there's a lot of shit that happened in two thousand WCW that you're not gonna remember ever because Vince Russo just thought it would be cool that week to do it, and that's that's essentially what we have right now. Is is like why were these two dudes falling? What what precedent? What are we doing? Why are these guys falling off the cage? Like what what why? Yeah, this this main roster is just as bad as any as any bad period of TNA that you want to look at. It really is that bad in terms of logic, storytelling, which is why I can't get into a show like this, which everybody else seems to think was a great show. Because to me, I'm watching pick your year of awful TNA. That's what I'm watching. And, but they're doing it with a much better roster, which is more, which fits the 2000 WCW comparison, which, which makes it all worse. But, to me, it, the TV is just as bad. The stories are just as bad. And the wasting of talent is just as bad as any era of TNA you want to pick and of 2000 WCW. That's where we're at right now. With competent wrestling. Because the wrestling's not great. If they were giving me great matches every month, I'd do a lot less complaining about everything else because at least I'm getting some great matches. I'm getting old. Right, last year on the show, last year on the show, we talked all the time about like, well, shit, the TV kind of sucks, but man, these pay per views are awesome. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like it was, or maybe it wasn't last year, two years. Whatever ago it was. Point, yeah, where, they had a good run. Said, of, yeah, they had a really good run of pay per views. You know, however long ago it was that we we came on here. So, yeah, that's exactly what we said. But it, the, the wrestling's just okay. And to be honest, the house style that they've kind of converted to is not. You know, it, that's a problem too. It's a conversation for another day, but um, you know, the matches peak at pretty good and I think the bar has just been lowered you know I guess it is it's a better conversation for some of these other matches that we're going to talk about in terms of so let's just go down the card I guess yeah yeah any any thoughts on uh, Brock Lesnar of course returning ripping the cage door off and uh destroying both men you know people are gonna we'll we'll talk about why he came back yeah but uh, yeah what do you think people are gonna bury me for this but I don't care um honestly that was the thing with the most juice on the show for me I didn't care about anything on this show until Brock Lesnar came in. Now, I didn't think it was some kind of super hot, awesome angle. But in terms of stuff on this show, which was putting me to sleep, uh, geez, at least it was a surprise. And at least it had some juice, you know? And, um, you know, I'm not particularly fired up for what's coming, but I'd rather watch Brock Lesnar. He's like, because he's so often not around, he's one of the only people on this roster who, to me, aren't completely tarnished to the point that I don't care about them. Because I still find Brock interesting. Yeah, he still has an aura to me as well. And I know there's a lot of people that have a negative connotation of him. But yeah, he's one of the few guys on the show that I'm like, oh, cool, interesting, yes. different, you know, unique. I don't see this guy every week. I haven't seen this guy all the time. He, he still has that aura about him uh, that makes it still pretty interesting for me. Even though I, I understand, I, I totally 100% get why people have the sort of, oh, God, Brock again. But I have the same thing when I see, oh, God, Roman again. Oh, God, Braun again. Oh, God. Like, I have the same, you know, the feeling that people have for Brock Lesnar when they see him come out. I have for pretty much everybody who walks through the curtain of like, ah, oh, 
God, it's this guy again. Like that's that's one of the issues and disconnects for me is like Brock because I don't see him as one of the only guys that actually appreciates. Yeah, and he always and it's always you have to have your eyes on the screen when he's on the screen. Now it might be a train wreck and it might not work, but a lot of times it does work. It's interesting, you know. Um, And I say it all the time, and I stole it from someone else. But in order for some, in order to be interested, it's got to be interesting. It goes hand in hand, and. The only other person on the roster really with, with, with that kind of, and it's quickly evaporating, is Rousey. Yeah, let's actually get to her, because I think that's a, a great segue, because, of course, she was in the semi-main event here against Alexa Bliss. Uh, she defeats Alexa Bliss uh, to uh, retain the Raw Women's title, but I think uh, the, the issue that I had, and I, I'm assuming you're pretty similar as well, uh, Smash went 12 minutes, and unfortunately it was worked very much WWE House style, where Alexa Bliss was beating on Ronda Rousey, exposing the ribs. At one point, the announcer said, well, Rousey is an underdog because of her ribs, and that just made me shiver and groan at the idea that Ronda Rousey is an underdog because her ribs kind of hurt a little bit. Eventually, she won uh, after growling and, and, and hulking up, rousing up, whatever the hell they're going to call it. Um, I still enjoy that she won. I think that's the best move. I do not need to see her in 12-minute matches. I don't need to see her selling her ribs for Alexa Bliss. That That's... At this point, you got something special. Don't just turn her into another person running your house style. That that's my big issue with the Rousey Ronda Rousey match. Yeah, you know, just really dislike the way it was laid out. Alexa Bliss is a four foot eleven heel who cheats to win. Um, you know, facing the most who you're pushing is the most dangerous woman in the universe, who legitimately was for for a couple of years there, and and they they've pushed her perfectly every step of the way until this match. This was fucking stupid. Uh, Alexa Bliss just dominating nine out of the twelve minutes of this match. With the idea that she was taking it to Ronda Rousey, Alexa Bliss should never have a physical advantage over Ronda Rousey, particularly at this stage of Ronda Rousey's career and this stage of her push, unless she's getting serious help from the outside using her heel tactics and her friends and all the. And this was just Alexa Bliss dominating Ronda Rousey, which was so stupid. Which is why I say, you know, I, I'm still interested in Rousey. I still think she's interesting. I still think she has a certain aura. Um, I'm still interested in, in watching her path. But it's quickly evaporating if they're going to just devolve her into typical WWE bullshit like this, which where you don't understand why someone is over, why someone has gotten over, and why you need to continue pushing them a certain way. She doesn't need to have 12-minute matches where she's selling at this stage of her career. Not to Alexa Bliss. Okay? You want to uh, put her in the ring with, with Shayna Baszler and have her sell for nine minutes? Okay. You want to put her in the ring with... Uh, 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 a, a, you know, a better pushed Asuka and do this. Okay. If you want to do this with Nia Jax, who's twice her size. Okay. Alexa bliss. The, this was just the totally the wrong match for the way that these two women are presented. And it was the worst thing on the show until the main event, which came after. Yeah. And I think the biggest issue for me is, 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 you know, the selling is one thing. The match structure is the one thing. The problem is that it's just the match structure that we're so used to of the, the, the heel, you know, works over the babyface, the babyface sells, 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 and then hooks up at the end or whatever. And we've seen it for years and years and years and years. And 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 it's not it's not something that makes people over. You know what I mean? Like we we we've seen it. They're like their star creation machine is broken in a lot of ways. And this match structure, it's, I think, it's is the, a big it's part the of it. easiest people, way to make it, Ronda Rousey not feel special anymore. Right. It's the John Cena Superman thing that people were annoyed of in 2004 and 2005 and 2000, you know, like going back years and years and years. It's the thing that's really plagued, I think, Roman Reigns a lot of ways. It's that same sort of style 
that kind of worked for Hulk Hogan that they sort of assume then is going to work for everybody forever. And it's not. People don't want to see Ronda Rousey selling her ribs to Alexa Bliss and then winning at the end. Like, I don't want a, you know, it, it wasn't a fluky win at all, but it was sort of like she got dominated for 12 minutes. And I said the commentary is hitting it over the head. Well, Ronda Rousey's really an underdog because of her ribs. Or Ronda Rousey's really an underdog. Don't make her an underdog. I don't want the underdog overcomes the odds. The, the hashtag overcome the odds type thing. We were getting that again. Do not do that with Ronda Rousey. There's no reason to do it. There's no reason whatsoever a better to do it, story, especially against an Alexa Bliss. I mean, type. a better story is she has broken ribs, but she still destroys Alexa Bliss. That's how right. you get her over. Yeah. And Alexa Bliss probably doesn't lose anything. Loses nothing the because the, because the idea right. is that she's so dominant that no one loses. You know what I mean? And then and then you can – it's just uh, – can we just move on? I can't do it. Yeah. I can't. It's 101. It's 101, but they don't do it. Uh, all right, we have The Miz and Maurice defeating Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella. This is yet another match on the Daniel Bryan Dream Match Tour. I know we were all excited about this one, a mixed tag between uh, the wives and the uh, uh, the Miz and Daniel Bryan. It's at the top of my uh, list, Rich. One, just... I know. It was right. It was Johnny Gargano and then a mixed tag match with their wives. Yes. Uh, uh, that was definitely right up there. Um, am I off base by saying that it felt like this match was more about Maurice and Bree than it was about Miz and Bryan? Did, did you get that similar vibe from the commentary, from the promo videos, from everything? Well, yeah. And then... The finish? The horrendous finish, by the way. The 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 oh god, the, the, oh my the, god. the wrestling school trainee finish with, oh, with Joe. I think I honestly think if 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 you lived close to me, I would I would say we should go and try to do this finish and see if we could do it better. Uh, Bri- I, I think we look, could. Uh, Mar- you know, Bree is bad, and Maurice is just god awful. They're just you know, and it, and it feels I don't know if we. I mean. They're in the number one promotion in the world on a pay-per-view. So on one hand, it feels I, I kind of feel bad picking on them because we know they're not. But at the other hand, if this is it's a roll-up, it's if a this roll is up. what you're presenting me, <laughs> though, I feel like it's fair game to be fucking torn apart. These it's a roll-up. I mean, I'm not asking you to hit a perfect Canadian destroyer off like the top fucking rope. It's a roll-up, and then you hold the tights. Roll up and hold the tights. Like I feel like that's not that difficult. Yeah, they stink. This... Um, they're just bad pro wrestlers. They're not good. And uh, the Miz Daniel Bryan thing. Look, I will say this. And I said this when I previewed it last week. This match is not for you or me, but I do think you're dyed-in-the-wool WWE fan. I did think that they would be into this, and they were. This had more heat than the SummerSlam match. This had more mm-hmm. heat than the Daniel Bryan-Miz SummerSlam match that people waited years for. Okay? So I think you're right. Your point is correct. I think adding Maurice and Brie Bella added something for that kind, for a certain kind of fan. Because this Ms. Daniel Bryan feud has been a fucking wet fart when you consider what it should be. It should be the hottest thing in the company, and it's far from it. And now it's just mid-card fodder. It's all it is, is mid-card fodder. And I don't give a flying fuck about it. I don't give a flying fuck about Daniel Bryan. I'm sick of the Miz. I don't care about this at all. So if they want to muck this up and make it about Total Divas and, and Miz and Mrs. and 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 lead into something on evolution. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. They've already missed the plot so badly with Daniel Bryan and blown it with him that I don't care about him anymore. I don't care what Daniel Bryan does. You can yeah, you I'm can right you can put was, him on main event it, it of was, it was Rhino, weird. and I I I don't care. I, I I've, yeah. He came out and I was just like, all right, whatever. Like and I never ever thought in my life, and one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, and I just don't zero care passion for anything all. he does. I, it's just. Didn't so, it, you know, just do this then. I mean, it, it got a better reaction than their singles match got. And, I'm, you know, and it's like it's supposed to make you angry that The Miz keeps beating. I don't care. I have no desire to see Daniel Bryan finally get his comeuppance on The Miz and put him in his place. Do you feel that at all? 
God, no. Do you God. care if he ever even gets the... I don't care. Eventually, he's going to beat The Miz. We all get it. Do you have any desire to see that or need or want or desire? Yeah, just to see whatever's next, but I've, I've resigned myself to the fate that whatever's next is probably going to suck, the- too. So, it's, you know, until otherwise noted, I'm going to assume I it's couldn't care less yet, about this so. feud. I couldn't care less about Maurice Brie Bella, The Miz, or Daniel Bryan right now. It's, 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 it's not for me, and I don't care about it. I thought this was interesting because we'll talk about this. It'll be kind of a running theme of the show. So the Maurice wins by uh, rolling up uh, Brie or, or some attempting to roll up Brie and doing whatever the hell they did uh, and holding the tights. So kind of a hold the tights kind of fuck finish Wait, she there, held the tights? Uh, for you in this mixed tag match. She was supposed to. I didn't yeah. even notice that she They held said them. on the commentary, oh, Maurice had the tights. That's why she won. She didn't actually hold the tights because she missed. Because she's fucking terrible. It, but Because she couldn't hold the tights. I mean, that's what I mean. It's not like I'm asking them to, you know hit a fucking, you know, perfect, you know, lock in a perfect figure four, and I'm just saying, you know, hold tights, but they, they didn't do it. Yeah, the, the commentary hit it over the head. Oh, Maurice had the tights, that's why they won. So keep that in mind, because there's going to be a run here of, of those sort of things, and that's why I said, you know, I'm not going to excuse them, because they have 15 agents, and they're all these great Hall of Famers and all these sort of guys, and then we had, like, four finishes on the show where they were essentially the same thing, like these kind of fuck finishes, um, but whatever, it is what it is. The finishes don't matter, the matches don't matter, the, the feuds never feel like they're end, they just... They go until you're bored of them, and then they just kind of falter. You know what I mean? They just kind of fly away in the wind, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that feud. Yeah, that's all right." And nothing ever feels. And this feud like should have been a. It's and this always... should have been a layup. Yeah. This should have been a yeah. fucking layup. This was the, they, they. They had this gift wrap to them. <laughs> you know, it's like one of the things that people actually do remember from this company over the last few years is that Miz promo on Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack. This was a layup. And they've missed a wide open layup with this. This should be headlining the house. This the Miz and Daniel Bryan should be headlining house shows and drawing ten thousand fans in every building. And it should be headlining pay per views, whether it's for a title and and this is what it, it you know it's a mid card match with Maurice and Brie Bella. Yeah, it's fodder. Yeah, mid card fodder to drum up support for e shows. You know, which again, <laughs> that's their model now. Get shows on. Yeah, e, which is fine. I don't care. But yeah, content, 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 content exactly. Content. So you could this this so. match is a, a microcosm of that point. Where it's all about creating content now, as opposed to creating paying customers. This yeah. is a microcosm of that. That's what's more important, because that's what's, what will make them more money. Uh, WWE Championship match, you have AJ Styles, the champion, defeating Samoa Joe. A uh, little bit of a weird finish here. Before we get to that, um, uh, you made a tweet about this, and I had the very similar thought when I was watching the show is the build has been some, you know, story time with Samoa Joe, and Joe wants to fuck AJ's wife and take his daughter and, and do all that sort of stuff. It's hell in a cell, but they have a singles match, just a normal, standard singles match, some holds, AJ Styles. You know, again, this dude has been for two months talking about fucking his wife, and Styles comes out and does test of strings and nerve holds and sleepers and stuff. And, and again, it doesn't matter. Who cares? You know, like, in any normal era, like, this dude would be livid that this guy's talking about fucking his wife and stealing his daughter, but... 2018 WWE, so he just comes out there and wrestles a match. And know. meanwhile, when Randy Orton is just casually watching Jeff Hardy from the shadows for two months, that's the Hell in a Cell match. It has to be we, settled, Joe. It we've got to settle this issue. You've been watching me, so i got to get you in the cell. Why wasn't the AJ Styles Samoa Joe match in the cell? Wouldn't it make more sense? Does anything make sense in this company? No, Joe, we're going to talk about this finish and then what they built the next for the next match between these two. And you will for sure know that nothing ever matters. Then that nothing. Now I, you hated this finish. You couldn't stand this finish. Fucking despise. You hate it more than me. Like I, I watch this stuff and I'm just like emotionless. But you hated this finish. Uh, The finish, of course, was 
was uh, well, Samoa Joe went for the muscle buster, which I thought was was interesting. And then because uh, he doesn't really use that anymore, and he's and AJ slipped out of it, and he went for the calf crusher, and no, no, he went for the uh, uh, didn't he go for the uh, um, what's what's he called it? Why can I not think of this move? Um, the one where he breaks everybody's necks. Uh, oh, then he go for the Styles class. Clash, and then Joe escaped that. And then, uh, and then, how did he end up in the? So he had him in the he had him in the coquina, the coquina clutch, clutch, and yeah. then Styles the Styles kind of rolled out he of it, bridged and got the pin that way. Styles so Joe then you know they're, they're going through all these finisher counters right. Joe puts on the coquina clutch and drops to his back like he always does to really wrench it in, and Styles bridges for a pinning combination, and then uh, the referee's counting the pin, but. While he's counting the pin, Styles is tapping out to the Coquina Clutch. But the ref doesn't see it. So Styles wins, but really, Joe got the tap before the pin. Rich, you fucking hated this. Tell us why. Well, the reason I hated it, not necessarily the visual of that. Like, I don't mind that. I don't mind the idea of AJ bridging out and then tapping. That's not that big of a deal to me. I know Dave, uh, Dave Meltzer always hates that because he's like, well, every sports league has replay now, but these referees are like, nope, I saw it. I counted it. I can't take it back. Whatever. I don't, I don't necessarily care about that. What I care about is what happened afterwards. And then again, like we, we keep using the term microcosm, a microcosm of why nobody fucking gets over in this company, why there's no stars. So Samoa Joe thinks that, you know, thinks that he got screwed. He knows that AJ tapped. He felt AJ tap. The referee screwed him over. So Samoa Joe rolls out to the outside. He's screaming to the announcer saying, he tapped, he tapped. How did nobody see it or whatever? And you get the announcer saying, yeah, no, I mean, like, I, and, you know, Corey Graves is like, no, I think I saw him tap. And everybody else saying, no, no, he didn't. And then they show a replay and Styles tapped. So it's, like, obvious to everybody watching at home and whatnot that Styles did tap. So, so Samoa Joe has this visual win. He knows that, yeah, he got screwed out of, out of this win by the referee. Not a big deal. That's not, to me, not, that's a good way to build to a future match or whatever. So... Joe gets into the ring. He's a, a, a screaming at the referee. Styles is down because he, you know, got the pinfall, a fluke kind of pinfall, but did tap out. Then Styles gets up, just kicks Samoa Joe, knocks him down. Styles gets the title, holds his hands up, and then Joe just rolls out of the ring and leaves before Styles does. Why did AJ have to beat him up afterwards? Why did AJ have to get the, the get his win back, quote unquote, or get get the move back or whatever. It's this 50-50 bullshit that we talk about with the booking, but you couldn't even have Samoa Joe just stand tall at the end of this match. You couldn't just have Samoa Joe say, God damn it, I got screwed out of that. This sucks. You know, I want my rematch. No, he had to get hit by AJ Styles so that AJ could have his moment where he held the title up. Because you can't even in a fucking second have one guy get over for more than 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 the other guy. It always has to be everybody in this muck. Nobody can emerge from the muck for even 15 fucking seconds. And then Joe just rolls out. He gets kicked. Styles does his cheer, and then Joe just rolls out of the ring. Why? Why did you? Why couldn't Styles have just been down while Joe just says, "God damn it, that sucks." Like you screwed me. That's it. That's all you had to do. But he had to kick him. He had to get his thing back. It's, it's yeah. It's not even fifty-fifty from match to match. It's from second to second. <laughs> right? You can't. Even... Because that to me works. Like that works where Joe says, "Well, you got." I mean, Styles then, by the skin of his teeth, wins that match. By the skin of his teeth, he won the match. Joe obviously knows that he won. Joe dominated, and Joe has a reason to say, "Hey, give me a rematch." Because, but it, you know, he just had to get knocked it's, down afterwards. He it's, just it's had another. To get it's also another example of, like, Joe's the babyface in this whole scenario. Like the ref did screw him. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. then AJ beats him up. So it's like, who like Styles is behaving as the heel, but we're supposed to not like Joe, right. which 
<laughs> you know, everything else aside, okay, yeah, Joe's a creep. I get that part of it. Joe's a creep, and he's saying horrible things about Styles' family. But where's the consi- – again, no consistency. And this was a perfectly good match. I, this was a good match. That's fine. You know, yeah. this was a good match. It was well-worked, and it was – I, I got to tell you, this was my favorite match of the night, which is, is a bit of a hot take, I think. Um, you know, I, I, I'd agree. We'll have, uh, we'll have some people argue with us here in a minute, but yeah. Oh, you I, do I agree. agree Man, well. I th- see, I thought you, yeah, I thought yeah, you yeah. thought the tag was the, I, cause I thought I saw you really praise the tag. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess we could transition to that, but I, I, I enjoyed styles, Joe, and I didn't really hate the finish, you know, and, and, and as much as you did or, or the post-match stuff, it, it does build to the next match, which they're going to have, are they having that in Saudi Arabia or Australia? Which one? <laughs> doesn't build to it joe it doesn't build to it because here's what i mean so they're having a match at uh, i forget we'll, we'll talk about it bad i believe it's the saudi show or, or no it's super it's uh, showdown show, right? i think they're on it's the australian show joe what are the stipulations for that match oh i haven't seen this is this gonna make me mad yeah it's a no count out no disqualification match okay <laughs> what that's not that's yeah, the yeah. problem i thought i, I no, thought that's not the I thought issue you were say, <laughs> the, the, i thought you were gonna say submission Right, that would have made sense. Yes, yes, Joe. Having a submission match because Joe could say Styles cannot tap me out. Sorry, my dog is getting freaked out. Right, and I proved I could tap. <laughs> that would him have out. made sense. I proved I could tap him out. I want a submission match. Let's see. Let's see and, him and try Joe, to tap me out because and, I proved and, he could do and, it. And Styles, being the valiant babyface, would of course accept that challenge. <laughs> of course. So a submission match would have been the greatest way. Paige would have said, "Okay, you did get screwed by that referee. I understand." At, at, at Saudi Arabia or Super Showdown or whatever, you can, you can get exactly whatever match you want. And Joe says, I want a submission match. And Styles says, you and, got and it. And Paige buddy. says to Styles, it. are you sure you want to do this, AJ? Because, of <laughs> right. course, we, also, we all saw AJ tap out. And as fans, we're thinking, man, we might really see a title change here because Joe <laughs> tapped right. him out. Already. But see, these things are all logical and make sense. But where do they get no DQ, no count out from? Rich, the match know. we just saw. Should have been no DQ, no count out because AJ went nuts and got DQ'd the match before. Right, exactly. <laughs> so they even managed to take a good feud, which I think has been overbooked with the Joe stuff. I've talked yeah. about that enough. Oh, the story time with Joe. It, it's so stupid. That's, it's that's it's so it's, stupid. Yeah, it's bottom stuff. level TNA trash. Joe reading fucking storybooks and you know it's garbage. It's absolute fucking WCW garbage. Without, the, you know, with that said, I mean, you know, otherwise the in-ring stuff and I, I liked AJ snapping and losing his temper, but this should have been no DQ, no count out because AJ should have demanded the page. I want this man, no DQ, no count out because I want blood. I want to kill this man for what he said about my family. But no, they go out there and have a normal match. And now inexplicably, it's now no DQ, no count. Rich, I didn't know that. And you fired me up. I got, I'm angry now. <laughs> that you have Thank supplied you. me that I just thought they were building to the next match I'm like okay I'm okay with that let's see these guys go at it again they'll have another fucking really cool match that I'll be into but no they gotta fucking muck it up with horrible booking again that doesn't make any goddamn sense stupid <sighs> that's that alright so let's get to the uh, tag match here this was for the Raw Tag Team Championship you have Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre defeating Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins I enjoyed this match, but I was amazed when I saw the praise. I went back. I tried to stay kind of spoiler-free. 
I went back and man, I saw match of the year. I saw this is the best tag match I've seen in years. This is the WWE match of the year, and that might be true. I have no fucking clue because I, I mean, I pretty much <laughs> disliked a lot of WWE uh, matches this year. But man, if this is your match of the year, I think you really need to watch more shows than Hell in a Cell because Joe, I thought this was fine. I thought it was okay. I thought it had a really good last five minutes, but man, the other twenty minutes could have. I I don't know. I didn't see the hype at all. What would you think of this? I was amazed to see the praise that I was. I thought this, this was a perfectly fine match with an awesome thirty second finish. I, I I am stunned that people think this is a match at a level, a match of the year level match. There have been better. Forget about match of the year. Just ta- just let's just talk about tag team match of the year for a second. There are better tag team matches on every takeover in the same company as this match. Every takeover has a better tag team match than this match. Every one of them. Go all the way back to Lorcan and Birch against uh, Undisputed Era. Then all of the Undisputed Era versus, uh, you know, variants of, of, of uh, British Strong Style, uh, uh, Mustache Mountain. But those matches, you know, some of them of which are on NXT television, some of them are on takeovers, but they're all, they were all better than this match. Yeah, all three, all three of them I would put above this. Yeah, and what sure. about the Lorcan Birch Undisputed Era? You like that better than this? Oh, of course. How oh, yeah, about yeah. the yeah, God, and, and yeah. let's go outside the company for a second. Did you think Kenny Omega and Kota Bushi versus Tomohiro Nishi and Will Ospreay uh, from early from last week was better than this? Oh yeah. yeah. Did you think uh, Golden Lovers versus Young Bucks uh, was a better tag team match than this? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I, I thought the SoCal Uncensored Briscoes and All In was better than this. Like, I mean, this was good. This was good, but my God, but I, like, imagine, I, this has been the year of the tag team match. There have been so many great tag team matches this year, and this was a good match. This was like a three and a half, three and three quarter star match. This is not even close. How about um? How about the uh? How about the LAX War? And from the TNA uh, Slammiversary. Oh, of course. Was of that course. a better tag team yeah, match? That I mean, my... that, that was easily oh, yeah, a better. That might be one of my favorite matches of the year. I love that match. Easily yeah. a better match than this. I mean, it go right down the line. I mean, it, I, I, I'm, I'm, Rich, I am stunned. I am stunned that people genuinely think it's got to be that they're just not watching a, a, a ton of wrestling. It has to be. Because, it, it, I mean, in its own company, this is not the tag. This is like the fifth best tag team match in WWE this year. Tag team match. And we haven't even talked about singles matches. We haven't even... I, I, I'm leaving singles matches out of this. Rich, I don't know if... I don't know if I think this was better than Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey versus Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. I'd have to... Th- oh, of course. I'd have to, yeah, I'd have to right. think great... about that. But they're about the same. But, you, you know, I may prefer the WrestleMania match. I mean, it's... it's I am confident that if I really went through my notes and I'm just glancing through them now, I could come up with 10 tag team matches alone that were better than this, than this tag team. And that's without even discussing singles matches. And if you let me cheat and use like six man tags, forget it. I can probably come up with 15 at least. And I'm not just trying to be a dick and shit people's cornflakes here. No, 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 I'm not either. Yeah. It's just like, to me, I just could, could not fathom what, because I, I was reading some of the stuff afterwards, and I was just like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know what I missed about And I I like this match. I really thought it was very good, but Jesus Christ, like, reel it in a little bit. It was not... I mean, that might just be the way it is now, where it's just like anything that's decent. Like we said, not stepping on your dick for a match might be enough to get people to lose their minds for it. Because I thought it very good. Like you said, very good closing stretch. I thought the last five minutes was pretty good. You said the last 30, but 
I mean, it was a 25 minute match and nothing happened in between that. I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and, and waiting and, and, and I know these guys are capable of having something good. And I thought, yeah, the end was really great. It was a really good finish, but Jesus, man, you're just not watching enough wrestling. If you think this is, you're not watching enough of this own company. Even if you don't watch any, cause I could be a real loser and say, oh, that wrestle one match I just saw was way better. Cause it was the one I saw earlier today with T-Hawk and Lindemann versus, uh, uh Suji Kondo and, uh, <laughs> but you know, if I, I could be a dick and say that, but. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to say, just watch NXT, and you already are going to have four matches that are better. You don't, just watch TNA, and you're going to have five and six matches that are better. You don't have to leave the company. Four. Right. 205 Live, Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm sure there's something on 205 Live a weekly that's as good. Yeah, if, just, yeah if, you're, if you're going beyond tag matches, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that, you know, without question. So, I, I, look, I, and again, this is, you know, I don't know how this is going to come off to people, but, I mean, I just, I, I don't see it. I, I don't see it at all. There was the you know, Young Bucks versus Evil and Sonata from June I thought was a better match than this. And, and, and like you're saying, we're not digging super deep. We're talking about WWE, TNA, and New Japan, basically. I mean, I could probably give you tag. Like you just gave one from Wrestle 1. I could probably give a couple you know, from some other companies too. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But, but with that said, because of that, we're spending a lot of time picking on you know, a really good match. I didn't think it was the best match on this show. I didn't think it was the best match on this show, which I get as a minority opinion. But, you know, as match of the year, I mean, not even fucking close. I, it, it wouldn't be in my top 100 matches of the year. I really don't think this would be one of my... In fact, I know it wouldn't be. Just going on my dopey star ratings, because I didn't go four on this, and I definitely have 100 matches. Well over 100 matches over four this year. Yeah. So, but, but you know, the finishing stretch was awesome. It was very creative. Yeah, and I thought I thought it was a creative finish too. I thought the idea of Drew coming in there and and and, and hitting the big boot to give Ziggler the the win. But again, like I I said, what was weird is that finish would have been really really cool on a show of itself. The problem was that you had a lot of finishes like this. Dolph Ziggler did not win. He just kind of happened to be in the right place. He fell onto uh you know uh, I think he was Seth. He fell onto Seth after Drew hit the hit the Claymore yes. kick and got the pin that way, which again is a great finish. But Styles you know got a fluky sort of roll up to get his win. Uh, Maurice held Brie Bella's tights to get her win. Uh, the Roman Reigns Braun Strowman ended in a no contest. We're going to talk about uh, the next match, which was done in, in a kind of a quick roll-up fashion. Again, like you have all these fucking agents, and they're all these great Hall of Famers and superstars or whatever. Nobody said, "Hey, who's doing a fuck finish or who's doing a sleeper?" You know, no one's gonna, you know, not nothing clean in this match because they don't do clean finishes that much anymore. Because there's no need to. You're always building to the next week to build more content for the next week or the next month. It's never about giving you a satisfying finish to the story. No, no story ever finishes until it just finishes. You know, it just. Stops happening, and that's how the finish happens. Graham Metallic and Lindsay Dorado versus Tony Nese and Buddy Murphy from the August 21st 205 Live was a better match than this. Better tag team. I mean, maybe it's just that people aren't watching these. You know, I went four and a half on that, and that had a you know a, a pretty significant botch, and I still went four and a half on that match. Rule. I mean, I I don't know. It's it's. I don't know, Rich. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and and one guy that I'm again I'm kind of putting my eye on a little bit because this match did definitely make that pretty obvious. I mean, you have Seth, who I think has, has is a guy who's been brimming and and ready to be you know brought to the next level for God for a long time now. I mean, there's obviously the, the missed time where you know he came back from his injury many years ago, but they had something with him in the early uh, spring and, and and through most of the summer. He just kind of feels like another guy now, and and that's of course what's going to happen. So he's a guy that I was really pegged and, and looked at. Drew McIntyre is still a guy that I think that if 
they really want to reinvigorate that main event and have something different. He feels like the right guy to be that the, the one to do it. I know he's currently under Braun or whatever, and the dogs of war and all that sort of shit. But but Drew is one guy that again, like they're doing a good job of building it up. I I hope and I pray and I have no confidence they're going to do it. But he seems like a very good guy, a very good uh, guy that, to to make that next step up and 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 maybe make it to the main event and do some stuff in that main event to kind of change it up a little bit. But I just have no confidence that they're ready to move anybody from the muck. I mean, the muck is what it is. But uh, Drew. Seems like a very good candidate, and Ambrose and Seth are, have, have been multiple-time candidates uh, to be moved up from the muck, and of course have never been. No, I think it's so. clear they're going to push we'll him, but I don't have any confidence that that push is going to inspire any confidence in him or anything like that. Right. So. All right, so you have Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, this ongoing saga here. Becky Lynch defeating Charlotte to win the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh in a uh, kind of a roll through, I, I enjoy, again I enjoyed this finish. <laughs> it was, if it was by itself on a show that didn't have a bunch of other finishes similar to this, but this is a, a pretty good match. It's the best that Charlotte's looked in a long time, and I thought Becky really controlled this entire match, and I thought that made it really good as well because I think she's a, a really good wrestler. So I enjoyed this match a lot. I would almost put it neck and neck with that tag match that that followed it um, on this show because I really really liked it. Uh, the story again continues to be kind of muddy. Uh, the announcers, for whatever whatever anybody on the internet says, the announcers are clearly putting Charlotte as the face and Becky as the heel. Corey Graves is the only person that sees it Becky's way, and everybody else sees Charlotte as the, the good person in this in this feud. So you can lie to yourself all the time and say, "Oh, they're changing," or "Oh, they they've moved it on the fly." They are still with the narrative that Charlotte's good and Becky's bad, no matter how many times you write an article about it that has not changed. But Becky gets the win here, denies the handshake. They, uh, I'm assuming, wanted booze, and they got a rounding applause uh, because everybody wanted Becky to tell Charlotte to go fuck herself, and she did. So Becky leaves with the title uh, with tons of cheers, and the announcers are perplexed uh, why Becky is so mean and everyone's booing her, even though no one's booing her. Yeah, so, and Corey yeah. Graves does a dollar store Jesse Ventura routine, so that's why he's the one, um, you know, siding with uh, uh, mm-hmm. with Becky. But yeah, you're you're dead on. I didn't think it was as good as the tag match, but it was, I think, the third best match on the show uh, behind Styles, Joe, and the tag. And it was a perfectly good match. I don't have any other thoughts. I I don't know. It's I don't care. I, I know I'm not supposed to come on this show and say that, but I, Rich, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, speaking of not caring, this is 24 minutes of something I did not give a shit about. Randy Orton uh, and Jeff Hardy. I thought it was a perfectly okay Hell in a Cell match. Uh, Randy Orton wins. Uh, again, this was almost going to be a no contest as well, and the ref was ready to throw it out until Randy Orton pinned Jeff Hardy. But again, we talk about this all the time. The, the, the Jeff Hardy bump that he did, he was hanging off the cage. I don't know what he was even attempting to doing, and they did a really terrible job of shooting it if what he was trying to do. I, I don't know. He was hanging on the cage, and I think Orton was on the table, and then he was going to land on Orton through the table. Orton moved, and then like 10 seconds later, Jeff Hardy fell uh, into the table. They sold this as Jeff Hardy is dead when it's like we have seen Jeff take, you know, weeks ago we saw him take a worse bump. We've seen thousands of worse bumps every single week on Raw and SmackDown or whatnot. And this guy goes through a table from not that high up. And it's like this amazing, always being transported to a medical facility and he's spitting blood and all this sort of stuff. Again, like I said, nothing really matters. Nothing really cares. But uh, yeah, it was Randy Orton winning and it was a perfectly comparable, perfectly acceptable Hell in a Cell match. But I have no real strong thoughts about it. It is all right. I mean, it was, you know. <clears throat> slow paced and all that, but that's Orton. And, you know, and it is a cell match. And he did the dopey thing with the screwdriver through the ear hole where he was twisting the ear, um, which was memorable. I think that'll be one of the things that's memorable off the show, at least. I didn't have a major problem with the finish like you did. I think the fact that Hardy was swinging off the top of the cell kind of made the bump at least a little bit unique, at least for a table bump. Um, so I didn't put a, a ton of thought into, you know, yeah, obviously we've seen more extreme, you know, 
and, and that's the perils of continuing. And we don't, we're not trying to come off like Jim Cornette here, but you know, when you do that stuff so often, uh, you're going to have opinions like Rich has here sometimes, but uh, you know, it was fine. I, you know, I don't have a ton more to say about it. It was fine. Yeah. And I think what's, what's interesting is you said that one thing is that the most memorable spot from this is going to be that screwdriver thing. Like that is what people are going to remember. And again, I'm not, I, I'm not trying to be Mr. Don't do risky things. I just think do stuff that's going to be memorable. Do stuff that people are going to remember. I mean, if you're going to fall off uh, and, and, and go through some tables and do all this sort of shit, you know, make the most out of it. You know, and I said that exactly when Kevin Owens was doing backflips, you know, falling backwards on the tables from tops of cages or whatnot, that no one's going to remember this shit. So what are you doing? Like, Why are you doing this if it's just to get to the next story and the next the next story doesn't really matter? So, yeah, Jeff Hardy, you know, he goes to the table and, and, and Dave writes in the Observer that he's working house shows this weekend. So it's not even like they're playing it up like, you know, he's not hurt or anything. He's, he's back already. It's, it is what it is. It's just, you know, he's he's at a local medical facility. Let's see what the Owen Hart voice, and then he's just back, you know, in a week. So it doesn't matter. This was a show, this was a show with three good matches, two okay matches, and two matches that weren't good. So uh, Yeah, with a lot of shitty storytelling up and down. That's why I cannot call it a good show. I cannot throw roses at a show if it just doesn't make sense. I mean, the finishes, I thought, sucked, and the storytelling was horrendous. So throughout. even if you so, think the tag match was great, even if I give you that, even if you think the tag match was great in a match of the year contender, it's a show with one great match, two good matches, two okay matches, and two bad matches with horrible booking and finishes. So, I'm sorry, I don't see it either. It, it's I don't know, you know. I yeah. think it's a it's a the bar has been lowered successfully this year by this company because most of their shows are flat out bad pay per view shows this year. They're horrible. I, I I review them every month in Fighting Spirit, and I'm trying to come up with new creative ways to make fun of them. I, I I'm running, yeah, I've just, run out of ways to yeah. bury their pay per views. I've run out of ways, you know, so, um, yeah, but by the standard of this company in 2018, their pay-per-views in 2018, I guess it was an okay show. Was it better than Royal Rumble? And I, you know, you got to think back. Um, I thought WrestleMania peaked higher than this show. There's just much more shit on WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably probably right on that. So I'm not even sure that it's definitively the best show they've had this year. No, I yeah, Rumble was was pretty good for what I remember, and and yeah, Mania I thought sucked because because it was so long. <laughs> I mean, there was probably three Mania, hours of Mania, good stuff Mania on Mania peaked higher and in a nine hour package. Yes, it yeah, peaked higher and it valued a lot lower. Yeah. But, um. All right. So other stuff before we get to, uh, before we move on to New Japan and some other topics here. Uh, WWE has a lot of shows coming up in the next few days. Uh, they have a pay per view on ten six. They have another on ten twenty eight. They have a third on eleven two. Uh, and then they have Survivor Series on 11-18, so there's a lot of stuff they're promoting. They also have the Mixed Match Challenge they're promoting. Lots of stuff going on. The first show uh, we're going to touch on is the Super Showdown in Australia. We'll do a more definitive preview, uh, I think, next week. Uh, I think we ha- I think that's the right time to do it next week because it's the 6th, right? I think, yeah, we'll do it. Uh, we'll do it. In, uh, we can do it. I mean, we actually have two weeks to go until we really need to do an extensive preview of this. But uh, some interesting stuff on the show I thought we just want to touch on real quick here. I think the more interesting stuff is going to be the Saudi show, which we'll talk about in a bit. But uh, Super Showdown, you have Triple H versus The Undertaker. They're being seconded by Shawn Michaels and Kane uh, to build up to a match that we'll talk about here in a bit in the Saudi show. So you have Triple H and The Undertaker. The uh, rivalry continues, even though it was over before. It was end of an era, and it's not end of an era. They're back at it again, but whatever. I got Bobby Lashley and John Cena versus Elias and Kevin Owens. Uh, Dan O'Brien versus The Miz. This is uh, to determine a number one contender, because Daniel Bryan for sure deserves a number one contender shot after losing all the time, uh, constantly. Uh, six-man tag, The Shield versus the Dogs of War. Uh, a six-woman tag match, you got the Bella Twins and Ronda Rousey versus the Riot Squad. Uh, and then you have the no countouts, no disqualification, thank God. No more DQs, no more countouts in this feud. Uh, AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. Cedric Alexander versus Buddy Murphy for the Cruiserweight title. Um... 
New Day versus Cesaro and Sheamus for the SmackDown tag titles. Asuka and Naomi versus the Iconics. And then if you can gather your breath, Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown women's title. And Joe, the one thing I want to talk about the Super Showdown is, is you and I have always on the show enjoyed these sort of spot shows. The the Beast from the East, uh, the one where the random Japan show was like Finn Balor versus Guy, you know what I mean? Like Kofi Kingston versus Brock Lesnar, these like, weird spot shows that happen. We always liked them because they felt kind of out of canon. They felt different. They felt unique. What do you think about this current run of shows, which I, I think first, first and foremost is Super Showdown, which is in canon. We have stuff on Raw building to the Super Showdown. We have matches that are, are, are being built on pay-per-views with payoffs on Super Showdown. What do you think about that? Or do, do you like the idea that this has now become just another important, quote-unquote, important show? Or did you like it better when these kind of bought shows were, were just sort of out of canon fun super show spot shows and that sort of thing. And they still feel kind of out of canon to me. I get what you're saying, though. They are paying off storylines and continuing things. But I like them because they're different. And they feel different. And they don't feel samey. Hell in the Cell just feels like every other WWE pay-per-view each month. I don't think the Australian show will feel like that. It'll have a different vibe. It'll have a hotter crowd. And the Saudi shows, they're just... They're just so wacky that, um, you know, I... It, look... They're doing these things. I'm not going to get into the politics of it. If they're doing them and, you know, they're throwing big money at Shawn Michaels and Brock Lesnar uh, to show up for these things, I will watch them with bemusement at, at, at the whole absurdity of it all. So, no, I I, 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 I do still enjoy these random, odd, paid-type shows that they do. Um, I, I do enjoy it from that aspect. Yeah, it's definitely interesting, and uh, I think the big one to talk about is the Saudi Arabia show, the WWE Crown Jewel. I think the most important part of that is um, that we are going to see Michaels and Triple H, Shawn Michaels, returning to the ring to face The Undertaker and Kane. Uh, You also have Roman Reigns uh, defending the title in a three-way against Brock Lesnar and Braun. So the big story there is Brock and Michaels. So Brock, uh, from all accounts, was pretty much done with WWE, Uh, was going to do short-term deals if he could and, and get little things here and there. He presumably gets a very big money payday to come and do this Crown Jewel show. And after years and years and years of begging and begging and begging, they found a price that was right for Shawn Michaels, because Shawn Michaels also coming out of retirement for the Saudi Arabia show. So again, I'm into it too. I think there's some pretty gross, like, you know, uh, things going on with this paid show and it being in Saudi Arabia and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's probably not the best show to discuss that. There probably are better shows that are going to kind of get into that a little bit. We just kind of like the absurdity of it a little bit. But uh, yeah, what do you make of Shawn Michaels being coaxed out of retirement after years and years of them trying for the Saudi Arabia Fuck show? it. I take the money too. I mean, you know, how can you turn down... Yeah, conviction's one thing, but shit, you're going to write me a check for $2 million? Fuck conviction. I'll, I'll, I'll how, you know, he's obviously getting a ridiculous yeah. sum of money. Um, yeah. You know, so... It, it'll be a spectacle. I enjoy a spectacle. You know, do I think it's going to be some great match? Of course not. Um, but I just wish that these Saudis were smarks. And they wanted to pay for shit that we want to see. Like, wouldn't it be right. great if the Saudis were like newsletter readers and they were like, uh, "We want to see Kenta and Nak- and, and uh, we want to see uh, Kenta and uh, Shinsuke Nakamura have a singles match because uh, you know we're big fans of Noah and New Japan and we think that would be uh, you know we want to see Cassius Ono get a WWE World Title shot. Like that's the kind of shit I wish the Saudi princes were into, you know. But unfortunately." They're into seeing. They want. They want. They want. Yoko, attitude era. They want, they want Yokozuna yeah. raised from the dead, and <laughs> they want to see Shawn Michaels. You know, and they want to see Undertaker. You know, they're not. It. It just sucks that the Smarks. You know, don't have giant ROH DVD collections from the mid aughts that they're drawing their inspiration from. Because wouldn't that be right. great? 
If, yeah, I want Prince Nana. Give Prince Nana. Give him two yes, million dollars. Yes, we want Prince, Prince Nana, Nana and... uh, to manage uh, whoever you know. <laughs> Jimmy yeah, Ray. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. We yes. We want the embassy on our on our on our on our money mark <laughs> right. show. You know that would be great. Um, as opposed to uh, you know what their tastes happen to be, but uh, it's just fucking. It's just it's an all a giant spectacle. And it'll feel different. It'll feel unique. I mean, that greatest Royal Rumble, I mean, you had these guys sitting on couches at ringside and meandering around <laughs> and talking on their cell phone. And they, you know, they nearly started a world war with the Iran cheap heat segment. And it's just, I, you know, it's just absurd. They got in trouble for showing Carmella. You know, that, yeah, that always, you know, nobody could come. And the, the women's thing, again, was always, it's, it's going to be a, a very contentious topic uh, this this time as well. What to do with the women. I, th- I saw the Observer. Uh, Dave mentioned, you know, what do you do with Renee Young? Renee Young is one of their main announcers right now. Hmm, she's probably not coming over, right? Like, I, I don't think they've changed their stance oh, all she's that much. Probably, she's probably that. not calling the show. I mean. No. God, no. Um, and very quickly, I know you don't want me to do this. Renee Young stinks. Someone, someone no, has to say. Right. She stinks. Um, oh! She's, she's, she's no better <laughs> than anyone else they've had in that third chair. Um, yeah, exactly. That's what she, she contributes nothing. She adds nothing to the broadcast. Okay. Oh, she adds nothing. Now, she was. He really wants to win here. Yeah, <laughs> like just like it's like a yeah, it's just like a drawstring, or it's just like generic. And and for what it's worth, I, that that job is horrible. It's that awful. job is awful. No one's, one's good at the good third at chair because Vince McMahon's screaming at you the entire time, and it's and you're the third chair. You're doing. Right. Who has ever been good at that? David Otunga never spoke. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, he had the best idea. It was just like you know, I'm not gonna get in trouble. I'm just not gonna say shit. Percy Watson, but... he's getting a little better. He does a little heel face interplay with Nigel. I guess he's the best one, but he's not good. Um, Jonathan Coachman was actively bad and took away from the show. So from that process, from that aspect, I think she might be an improvement, even though she's just nothing. Yes, and not actively detracting is going to be an improvement over. Uh, uh... Coachman. Uh, over yeah. Coachman. So I think she's better than Coachman, but I mean, Jesus, that's a pretty she's low She's better bar. than Coachman, and she's better than she was the first time around. She was horrendous the first time around. Now she just... Oh, those NXT. Oh, the NXT run. Oh, now boy. she just kind of sucks. You know what I mean? She's not horrendous. She just, like, contributes nothing. She's Rich Bocini on MLW. She contributes nothing. She doesn't really take away. Like, the first run, she was bad, and it took away. This run, she's just there. She's another third chair that contributes nothing and takes away nothing. All right. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about with the Saudi show here real quick. Uh, Kane, this is kind of an interesting thing. This is from The Observer this week. Because uh, Kane is, as you probably know, the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. And it's a little weird that the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, is getting paid to work on a show in Saudi Arabia. And I imagine, I don't know exactly uh, Kane's political stances and, and, and thoughts. But I imagine they're probably a little bit divergent from what the Saudi princes think. Uh, but yeah, this is in the Observer here. It says, uh, while political opponents would likely argue it's a bad look for Glenn Jacobs, the Knox County mayor, to appear on a show in Saudi Arabia given the human rights issues and treatment of women, WWE made a big public political donation at the request of Jacobs that would at least attempt to smooth over, uh, smooth it over to the public. So WWE basically cut a check that they're going to give the next time there is a house show in Knoxville, a big oversized novelty check they're going to hand to the community of Knoxville, Tennessee to say thank you, or, or Knox County, I should say. Uh, to say thank you for letting us use your mayor on our Saudi paid show. So, uh, interesting, <laughs> to say the least, what's going on here. And Kane, again, that check must be great, because he's going to say, ah, fuck it, I'm already the mayor, who gives a shit? Cut that check, baby, let's go. So, it's, uh, 
pro wrestlers, they have one ambition in life, and that's make the money. So go them. I, I don't I don't begrudge any of them. I don't care what the hell you're doing. Get that money. So um, Dude, also on the event side, uh, the Saudi show. It, it's Knox County, Tennessee. How many people in Knox County, Tennessee, are that tuned in to what's going on in Saudi Arabia? I'm sure nobody. I, I think like the idea would be that just like his the guys that he runs again the next time will say, ah, oh, this guy works for the Saudis, and everybody will, you know what I mean, like that sort of thing. I'm sure there'll be a political hit ad in the next election. How many? That's like Kane taking a picture with some Saudi prince, and it's like, you know, I'm, you're, you're, you have to get to the lowest common denominator here to try to. Th- I mean, those little you, you I, we're dealing with it right now in election season here, where it's like, did you know? It's like yeah. these guys that live down the block from me. It's like, did you know he harbors you know child rapists in his basement? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if that's true. Like, is that really accurate? It's like, well. How can he be your comptroller? And I'm like, oh, geez, like, that's what we're doing for the comptroller? Like, we're getting a little dirty here for just, like, the guy who, you know, looks over the books. Like, it's not that big of a deal, guys. Like, I, I just think that, I, I don't know, how many people in Knox County, Tennessee, are extremely online and paying close attention to the atrocities being committed in Saudi Arabia and are going to tie that to, I mean, how many people, didn't he win this vote, like, 900 to 800? I mean, it, yeah, I don't think there's that Who many people. Who gives a shit? Said, I mean, WWE thought enough of it to cut a check. Or, or at least Jacobs thought enough of it that he said, hey, if I'm going to do this, you have to give a donation. Now, look, so, I get it if he was like um, a governor or a representative, a state representative or a senator. I mean, he's 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 the, what is he? He's the mayor of a county. How does a county even have a mayor? I mean, I don't even understand that. I was one of that, You too, know why? Yeah. It's because nobody <laughs> lives in Knox County, and you, you're not going to have mayors in these little shitty towns that have 88 people in them. So there's just one mayor that oversees the tiny county. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think there's, there, there's a fair amount of, uh, you know, Islamophobia as well that I think might play a part in this too. And I, I don't know the, the demographics of Knox County, Tennessee. But wouldn't but that work? And it uh, wouldn't that be the opposite then? And it would work in, well, I guess you're right. It would work against them. Cause they're like, why are you friends with these people who are going to... Exactly, because he's going to do some... Because the princes are going to want some photo op, and it's going to be, you know, Kane shaking hands with, you know, the Saudi prince and his son or whatever, and that is going to be seen, you know, on political yes. ads. It's like, is this who we want representing us in Knox County? A man who works with terrorists. Right. Like, right, you know what right, I mean? Like, right. that, that's what it's going to be. I mean, it, that, it, it, it's that sort oh, of Oh, so I'm looking like at it from... Lowest... I'm looking at it from, like, the human rights perspective, that people are going to be mad. No, I think it's just like, those guys don't look like us. They must gotcha. be bad. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And they are bad. I mean, to be fair, they are bad. But it's not, they're not, like, as you said, extremely online of, like, oh, there are women's, you know, being murdered for the things they think. It'll just be like, ah, oh, those guys don't look like us. They're, you know, really, like, there's probably better reasons for them to be upset. But the reasons they'll be upset is because they're, you know, Islam. You know, they're, right. they're Muslims. And that's kind gotcha. of Gotcha. Yeah, that makes more sense. That's what it is. Uh, September 17, 2018, uh, that's, of course, the uh, Saudi show. Uh, they uh, will have the first ever WWE World Cup, a tournament to determine, uh, to quote, determine the best in the world. The WWE World Cup. Uh, hopefully, it's similar to the Kuwaiti Cup. Do you remember the Kuwaiti Cup, Joe? That'd be a fun show to go back and rewatch those Kuwaiti Cup matches. I think Ahmed Johnson won the inaugural Kuwaiti Cup, if I remember correctly. So, uh, yeah, that's not the first time they've done paid shows in uh, does that general Braun, region, Does so. Braun still first... carry around his green Greatest Royal Rumble Championship belt? You know, I haven't Is seen it. Green? I think it was green, right? Was it, green? All it, it was gaudy. I, I don't yeah, remember if it was green trees or not, on it or something? I... <laughs> oh, that's right. It was green. <laughs> Uh, and in a uh, what I'm sure is a complete coincidence, uh, a few days after WWE Crown Jewel, WWE Evolution, the all-women's pay-per-view. Hey, women, yay. Uh, so far, Total we have announced the May Young Classic Tournament. <laughs> I just As was... Sometimes they just fall into stuff. They just 
The you know oh my god that's so weird we just had a women's pay per view uh, five days before or five days after this this crown jewel thing oh my god what a coincidence just Great. as Renee that's Young so becoming the third chair was a total coincidence to just it's just right. oh my funny god. how that it's felt just how they get yeah. yeah Renee Young Renee Young becomes the announcer and then that week they announce that they're going to uh, they're going back to Saudi Arabia it's just the things that's you know when it, when it, when you're lucky you're lucky and it's so good that you know any questions about you know, their their inclusion of women at the Saudi show will be answered uh, five days later when they have an all-women's pay-per-view in Nassau Coliseum, the hotbed, of course. <laughs> Long Island, where, you know, pro women's wrestling is king. Um, May on Class Tournament Final, I will not name the names because people will get upset because those are spoilers. Uh, then you have Alexa Bliss versus Trish Stratus, Lita versus Mickey James, and a bunch of other rumored matches as well. But, uh, yeah, so that's WWE Evolution. Uh, that just conveniently happens a few days after uh, the Saudi show. So, there you go. That's WWE. Can we talk about stuff that's not WWE? Now? It's not going to get any better, though, unfortunately. <laughs> I know. That's the problem. Well, actually, before we do that, do you want to uh, let the folks know about uh, our uh, Patreon? Oh, yes, sure. Um, let me pull that up. Um, okay, so. Oh, you changed this read. I was ready to do the usual. but this. <laughs> I got rid of the question, Joe, because you said, uh, I believe two and a half months ago that you would change the read, yeah. and it never happened, and I... I thought it was, it, it was, I don't know if it was a, a fun joke or an old joke or whatnot, but yeah, the read has been. This uh, isn't nearly as awkward, though, discussing it like this as it would be just answering <laughs> right. the dopey question. Uh, so let's plug. No, Joe, I'm not a subscriber. Oh, wait. Okay. So let's ask. plug the voiceswrestling.com slash Amazon. And of course, was that, am I not supposed to read this part? You were supposed to read that part. That was more me uh, typing that. Oh, too. so this was you but, kicking uh, it to yeah. me. Yeah, exactly. That's all right. We offer the most affordable, biggest... <laughs> well, now I'm just reading it, and you're laughing. No, I'm done. I'm done. <clears throat> we offer the most affordable, biggest bang-for-your-buck premium subscription in the industry. Tiers start at only $2, which is basically free, and just $5 per month gives you access to our entire archive and everything we do, including the Overrun, our flagship extension that guarantees that we will never run out of time again. Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other, arguably our most popular bonus show, where we get a chance to stretch our legs, get away from current events, step back in time, and break down wrestling from the past. Subscriber-only anything-goes Q&A mailbags. Twice-weekly TV reviews. Every Monday and Thursday, Joe breaks down the latest in TV wrestling. Special editions of Bouncing Around Japan and Bouncing Around the Indies. Rich's Squashing Buttons live video game gimmick. Joe's NFL Intelligentsia podcast. And eventually, one of these days, the return of Lance Unfiltered, the greatest three-episode run in podcasting history. If you listen to the flagship every week, there's no reason not to subscribe for the bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. Find the tier that works best for you and subscribe today. So we should talk about new Japan now and the second and third mediocre show, major show that we watched this week. And we will start with destruction in Hiroshima, Hiroshima, <laughs> We have never found out. And I don't want to. No, find it. it's now a bit, and yeah. uh, we will never have the correct answer. This was the epitome of a one-match show. The undercard was dry as a bone. Again, very similar, I guess, to Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank. Uh, Hell in a Cell. In that, look, I don't think anything was bad on this undercard. It all just existed. And I guess the only match of note that we should make reference to is the uh, Bullet Club OG of Tama Tonga, Tonga Loa, and Tajiri. Uh, Tajiri. I am awful at this tonight. 
Uh, <laughs> I was like, whoa, I missed a lot of this undercard. Speaking of which, if you want to watch good wrestling, go watch Tajiri versus Buffalo from uh, from the 912 All Japan show. I'm not kidding. I'm not doing shtick. <laughs> Excellent match. And you know I'm not high on modern Tajiri. I think Tajiri's washed up. I think he stinks. He was great in this match. Buffalo, the three times a year that I watch him, is always great. And Tajiri versus Buffalo for the Geora TV title in All Japan this week was fantastic. I think it's the 912 show if you're looking for it on your All Japan TV. But anyway, this was... There you go. So we had to go to... I had to go to WrestleMania and you had to go to Buffalo Tajiri to find something good this week in pro wrestling. So there Correct. you go. It's, uh, you never know where you're going to find I it. I also hear the All Japan Corican show was excellent. I haven't watched it yet. They're in the middle of the world. Yeah, that's what everybody told us. When I said I hate wrestling right now, everyone said to watch that. I have not had a chance to watch it because I was too busy wasting my time with these mediocre shows. So the, I do want to check it they're out. In the, they're in the middle of the Royal Road Tournament. So uh, that always has some decent stuff. But uh, yeah, so the Bullet Club did retain the uh, never-open-weight six-man tag team titles over Juice Robinson, David Finley, and, and Taguchi. The rest of this show was a bunch of tags, uh, a bunch of average tags that... Um, you know, we're not going to waste time breaking down. Let's get right to the main event, which was Kenny Omega and Tomohiro Ishii for the IWGP Heavyweight title. I've seen mixed reviews on this. I love this match. I thought this was the best match I saw this week by far. Not that it had a bunch of stiff competition. I thought it was worked with a sense of urgency. Uh, I thought that Kenny Omega worked this uh, with the idea that Tomohiro Ishii has been a tough opponent for him, an opponent that has defeated him uh, in recent years in matches. And he went right for the kill. He went to a tremendous uh, spot outside the ring, putting Tajiri. Uh, uh, Tajiri. Jeez. <laughs> All right, that's it for us today, Joe. You go yeah. home. <laughs> you I mean, putting that. Ishii through the table and then, you know, trying to get the count out win to try to put him away in that fashion. Yeah. He went for the one-winged angel earlier in this match, and he's gone for it, uh, uh, you know, before. And then, of course, uh, they had a great closing stretch. I loved Ishii doing the uh, his own version of the V-Trigger. Uh, to Kenny Omega, I thought that was cool. And uh, look, this wasn't their best match. They've had better matches than this. I still thought it was a great match. Uh, you know, it'd probably be their third or fourth best match that they've had with each other. But I really enjoyed this. I don't think it was as good as Ishii's title challenge of Naito either um, in his only other previous IWGP heavyweight uh, challenge. But I thought this was an excellent match. I fall on the side that this match fucking ruled. I thought there was a lot of cool spots here. I thought they, uh, uh, Kenny in particular, again, I thought it was worked with a sense of urgency, which was great storytelling considering their history. And uh, I enjoyed the fuck out of it. And I liked that Omega put away Ishii definitively. They didn't go through a really crazy closing stretch of a million kickouts. Omega hit the one-wing angel after, uh, uh, you know, uh, reversing a brain buster. He tried to use Ishii's brain buster on him, then he got out of a brain buster. He hit the one-wing angel, and that was it. You know, Ishii uh, exhibited some fighting spirit a little earlier in the match, and he did not kick out of a one-winged angel. What did you think of the match? Yeah, so I thought the first, my, my, my big criticism with the match is, like, the first 20 minutes or so, I just, I, yeah, there was an urgency to it. There was some stuff going on. I just didn't really feel it as much in, in that first 20 minutes, and, and that kind of stunk because it was a match that I was really looking forward to because these dudes are just incredible when they're together. But it all changed about 10 minutes left in the match where Tomohiro Ishii, and I remember the exact spot where it happened, they're on the top rope, but Tomohiro Ishii hits this, like, picture-perfect Hurricane Rana. Like, just an amazing-looking Hurricane Rana, which you never would assume that Tomohiro Ishii would hit a perfect one. And then he just went to work. This was Tomohiro Ishii sort of hulking up in the sense and 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 and, and getting, you know, sort of the momentum back because Omega had really kind of dominated him a little bit. And I, I had said, you know, earlier in the show that when, when I was mentioning WWE, how that sort of match style, I don't really love it that much when WWE does it because it's sort of, 
the same thing where, where the, the, you know, that the, the one guy beats on the one guy, the one guy gets to come back and then gets the win. Well, this, you sort of knew that Tomori Ishii was probably not going to get this win, but you were living and dying by his comeback. You wanted nothing more than to see him come back because then he hits this hurricane Rana. He hits a head, buddy. He's kicking out at one. He's throwing drop kicks. He's throwing one wing angel. He's just, he's doing everything. I mean, he didn't hit one wing angel. I forget. You know, he's hitting V triggers. He's, he's doing, I mean, Tomori Ishii is just doing everything he can to stay alive in this match. And, and you always say he's one of those guys that you just love to see and you love to root for him. And this is one of those matches where, where I got sucked up into that Ishii Vortex, as I like to say, where where you know that he's not going to win, but I don't know. Like, he's really doing a lot here. Like, he, maybe he does win. And he hits a V-trigger and gets a, a, a near fall. And the crowd just loses their mind uh, for Tomori Ishii's comeback. So I really love that part. And I thought the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the match were incredible and really helped it a lot for me. I did not like the first half or so of the match, but then the last 15 or so minutes absolutely delivered and were really great. And and yeah, I, all in all, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I think these two dudes have had better matches together, many, many ones that are probably better than this one. Even one, you know, at the G1, I think I liked more uh, than this match. But I thought this was still pretty spectacular. And and I mean, Jesus Christ, one of the best matches I've seen this entire week because there's not a lot of other great stuff uh, going on this week. But I thought really good, and I thought a lot of this was Tomaru Ishii being as great as he is because I think he really made this match uh, that much more special. Oh, this was easily the best match I saw this week. I mean, I you know, I don't, I don't think anything else. What would even what would even come close? I mean, I don't, I don't unless you you're going to surprise me and, and you love something else. I mean, I, I you know this was the best match I saw this week by far. Um, the Hiroshima show was not good. You know, the rest of this show, uh, the only other finish of note, Killer Elite Squad, as expected, defeated Michael Elgin and Ayato Yoshida. The only reason that was a finish of note is because Killer Elite Squad had a slightly bigger match on the Bipu show. Uh, where they faced best friends and then won that match too. So it seems as though they're getting pushed again, possibly to be the next title challengers after whatever happens between the Bucks and Gorillas of Destiny. We'll have to see. But the rest of the undercard, look, it was fine. Again, I didn't think there were bad matches on this show. It was just boring. It was just boring show. And I thought Bipu, um, you know... It was much of the same on the undercard. I mean, what's the correct way to pronounce it? Because I saw that being a big uh, point of contention. I don't know how to properly pronounce it. I think I said Bipu. Is that the right way Bepu, to say it? It's maybe not. I. Okay. Is this one of those things where we ask and then we get six different answers? Ah, that we don't who know. Knows. I'm going to keep saying Bipu because. Okay, because Bipu is fun to say. So I was going to say Bipu say. too. And so, um, so that's what I'm going to go with. And that's not us being like, because it, it, it's the same thing with the Hiroshima thing. Like we ask every single year. We ask. Chris Charlton, we ask people that are, how do you pronounce this? And we get, oh, guys, it's definitely Hiroshima. And then the next person tweets, no, it's Hiroshima. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, then I don't fucking know, man. Like, two sources that I trust disagree on it. I have no fucking clue. And then we get six other people that all have differing views. And I think Bipu is probably the same way. Where, like, someone's going to say, oh, no, it's Bepu. And then someone's going to say, no, it's Bipu. And it's like, all right, I don't know fucking know, man. It's when you ask these open-ended questions and you get seven different answers that it's just like, all right, we're going to say whatever we want. Like, because we didn't, it's not like everybody told us it's one thing and we're just choosing to willingly ignore that. It's not Rich, we don't we pronounce anything weird. right. Who cares? Right. So I think it's at kind this of point, yeah, people realize going. that we don't pronounce anything right. Um, you know, this the, now the destruction in Bipu show, I have to tell you, this I think is the big of big New Japan shows. I'm not talking about Corkins that had no good matches on them. I'm talking about major New Japan shows. The big shows. This was the least enjoyable of the modern New Japan era for me. I hated this show. The undercard had nothing. It was another dry, average, nothing undercard. And the top two matches, I hated one with a passion. And the other was just boring as fuck and maybe, maybe my least favorite main event 
of the New Japan modern era. The uh, Naito Suzuki match was so fucking boring. Um, I wasn't into the match, you know, before it happened. I didn't see a need for it. I think it was just a match to fill this little building. Um, and I think they accomplished that, so good for them. But I didn't want to see it. And the way the match turned out, they didn't do anything to make me excited about what for what I was watching because this sucked. It was boring. It had no juice. It was dry. Um, there was, you know, it, it, there was just, it just it was not a good match. I mean, it was a firmly a two-and-a-half-star match. Um, we, you know, I just, I just did not, I guess I'd have to go back to, there was a Suzuki Mike Elgin main event, uh, maybe a year ago or whatever. That was a pretty horrible New Japan main event. And other than that, off the top of my head, maybe the other Naito Suzuki match, to be honest, would have to be on that list. Um, but when Suzuki doesn't land, he crash lands. I mean, it just, you know, when it doesn't work with him, it's just really fucking boring. And, these two guys just don't work well together. They just don't work well together for whatever reason. They've had two cracks at it, and they've they've swung and missed both times. And this was just boring as fuck. And Naito's a guy who can lull you to sleep, and you think his matches are gonna stink. And then you know he rallies in the you know the matches all come together, and you go, oh okay, I see what they were going for. And, but this never came together, and I just didn't like it. And Taichi Goto, I know you're really going to bury it. Oh, my God. I didn't like it either. I mean, I hated it, <sighs> honestly. But but it's a tricky match for me to, like, rate. Because while I didn't like anything they did, and it's not what I want to see in New Japan, I thought it was performed well. So from that aspect, Mike Spears coined this term. He calls it the Gentleman's Three. Where well, you can respect what they did out there. And it's like, I, I give both of these matches like the gentleman's three. Like two and a half, three stars. You know, I, I, I can't call them horrible ma- matches, you know, but it's like, they weren't for me. I so can't. go ahead. You go ahead and bury <laughs> Taichi Goto. Oh my god. That, ta- that Taichi Goto, that might be my least favorite match of the entire year. I might vote that my worst match of the year. because in, And we talk about this all the time at the end of the year when we're thinking about worst matches of the year. A truly bad match, I don't care about. You know what I mean? Like a real shitty piece of crap match between two people that are not good wrestlers i don't care you know what i mean like it just i i, I see it and it just I, i'm not that type of guy that thrives on oh my god this match was so bad or whatever there's fun bad and then there's just like matches that are bad but when you have a match where where you know that these two guys are capable of doing better when it's a match on a new japan show and there's there's heightened expectations this is the semi main event it's for the never open weight title it's roki goto it, it's taichi who i don't love but can have good performances and it's this it's whatever the fuck this match was 20 minutes of my life that i'm never ever getting back joe there's things i like in wrestling and that's wrestling and action and emotion and 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 this match had it was the opposite of anything i ever want in wrestling it was for people that haven't seen it and do not if you've never seen it don't fucking waste 20 minutes of your life you have i promise something better to do for 20 minutes it essentially was goto gets into the ring taichi slides out goto sits in the middle of the ring does the Indian style pose? Sits there, closes his eyes at one point. Taichi gets in the ring. Goto puts him against the ropes. Taichi slides out of the ring again. Goto sits in the middle of the ring. Taichi walks outside of the ring. Then uh, I believe Kanemoro starts beating up Goto. Or yeah, Taichi gets in, tosses Goto to the outside. Kanemoro starts beating up Goto. Goto gets back in the ring. Taichi and Goto run into red shoes. El Desperado comes out. They beat up Goto. Are you suggesting this was overbooked? 
<laughs> that's it. You know what I you mean? You forgot a key Red part. Red Shoes is down for eight Azuka minutes. Azuka came down too, and I and I think I think there yeah. was. A, oh yeah, Azuka came down. A, oh, when Azuka came down, I fucking well, lost it. When I was, I'm like, you motherfucker, get. The I hell think there out was an. I think there was an audible groan from the crowd when he came down. Oh my god! I mean, if you like wrestling and your wrestling matches, if you like action, then you might not like this match. If you like guys standing and not doing anything, then you might love this match. I mean, if that's your, if your go-to is interference, ref bumps, and people standing and sitting, then you will love this match. If you like moves and action, then I don't think you're going to like it. And I certainly I, did not. I thought it was absolute okay, shit. Okay, I disagree from the standpoint of, I didn't. Ex- this is kind of what I expect. This is Taichi. This is what he does. Um, so I kind of expected this. I didn't think they were going to go in there. But I didn't expect it in the summer main event of a title match. I get the I get the Taiichi is just going to do well, this. Well, here's at, well, at I agree with you. Whatever, well, here's but... the problem. This is why I'm upset that he won the title because I don't want Taiichi in this spot. If he wants to muck it up on the third match of the show, I, I don't have an issue with it. I do have an issue with it, like you're saying in the semi main event. I much rather have Goto go out there and have these you know matches where. He bangs heads with guys, and 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 they and, and, you know they kick each other's asses in that spot. Then Taichi mucking it up and hitting people with his mic stand, and 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 Azuka coming down with his iron glove. I I, I have no interest in that. And I wrote that in the preview. I didn't want to see him win the match for that reason. Now we're gonna have to endure a few more of these. I got news for you, Richie. We're not done with this. No, I know it's not. Going and this away. guy might hold the title to Wrestle Kingdom at this at this at this stage because we're that late in the year. And we might get a Wrestle Kingdom Taichi never title defense, which is which will be a fucking disaster. Um, I do not want. You want to put this guy in a tag team? I'll endure it. You want him to do this shit on the undercard and then fail in the occasional never title challenge? I fine. There have been times where he has entertained me and had good matches. He was on a nice little run there for a while, but this has set that completely back. This was shit. Now I will say. This kept me more entertained than the main event did. Because with all of the bullshit run-ins and interference and and Western-style fucking wrestling that this brought to the table, it was more interesting than that boring-as-shit main event that I had to sit through. That I never want to see those two guys wrestle ever. I never want to see Naito and Suzuki ever wrestle again. Ever. In my life, yeah, I, I don't think I hated it nearly as much as you did, but I was when it was over, I was so glad it was over because it was. And I, I think the problem is, and we've talked about it a little bit on, on the show as well, I think I'm just kind of over Minoru Suzuki. You know, I just don't know if I like that style. There's certain times where, where that style of match has worked. I think with the Okada match it worked, with Tanahashi it worked a little bit better because I think the crowd was invested in those guys and invested in the comeback. This crowd could not have given a single shit, I think, because they've seen it a lot of times. Or if they haven't seen it, it just wasn't engaging. It was essentially Minoru Suzuki doing the thing where he puts, you know, he, he's torturing guys for 30 minutes or whatnot. And then the guy, uh, you know, gets out of the, the hold and then hits their move and then wins. And it's like that, you know, we've seen that a few times this year. We've seen it a bunch from Minoru Suzuki. And it's kind yeah, of boring. Saying, and and Naito didn't, I didn't think, do a no, great Naito job of it didn't. either. Naito was not good it. in this match. And, and that's the thing. Naito sat in that hold and sat in that hold and sat in the hold. Okada, for what it was worth, was screaming and writhing in pain and couldn't wait to get out of that hold, and you thought Okada was oh my god, and he couldn't. Okada was so much better in a similar spot uh, than Naito was here. I mean, Naito. I mean, unless you're a huge Naito super fan, I didn't care that he was getting his leg tortured. I didn't care. He didn't make me care. Didn't give a shit. And this didn't really come off like a Minoru Suzuki torture match to me, which is maybe why you just made that point. It didn't even come off like one of those matches to me. 
So, I mean, because it was boring and uncompelling, and neither guy made me give a shit. And, you know, I came in not caring about the match, so that may have influenced it for sure. But they didn't do a good job sucking me in at all because I just wanted it to be over because it was so boring. You know, and, 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 and Suzuki, look, he just had that match for his Goto at Wrestle Kingdom, which was, you know, it was all the way in January and people are going to forget about it, but that was fucking awesome. And the first quarter of this year, he was a legitimate wrestler of the year candidate. And oh God, I remember that. Remember when that, that, we, that was that wasn't that long yeah. ago, Rich. He was that, having no. great matches. No. And it all went downhill when he got in the ring with Naito. His year went down the fucking, just avalanched as soon as he got involved with Naito. These guys never need to be within 100 feet of each other again. It just doesn't work. The chemistry's not there. It doesn't work. And maybe it's the nature of Naito's gimmick where he don't give a shit about anything. And, you know, he just. So then why should I care that he's in a leg? It's like, I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it. Um, I, I don't know. I don't have the answers. All I know is it sucked. And, and it was boring. It didn't even. It was just boring. That's worse than having it. If it was suck, I could sit here and make fun of it. It's just boring as shit. I think for me, and, and I talk about it with WWE, is I hate the style of a guy gets beat down, guy gets beat down, guy gets beat down, guy hits move, guy wins. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, and that's what this was. Naito did nothing until he hit the Destino and then won. And it was like, oh, all right, cool. Like, you know, I don't, I don't care. Like, and it wasn't, it didn't feel like he was surviving. Finish it didn't was feel very like he flat. just got out no, by the skin not. of his teeth. And, 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 it was, and the crowd didn't give a shit either. I mean, that's no. the thing is, even if it wasn't for you or I or whatever, the live audience was crickets during and this maybe, match. And maybe, and you know what? Maybe I'm giving them too. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit for working for the work because the work didn't win anyone over. And the story right. of the match didn't get over. I hate this match more now that I'm talking about it. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I, I didn't hate it nearly as much as you. I thought it was fine and okay, but definitely another one that was like, when it was over, I'm good and I never need to see this thing ever, ever again. And, and, and yeah, I just did not like the style of the match. I, I probably didn't hate it nearly as much as you because I saw it as some of uh, kind of the Minoru torture match. I'm just kind of over the Minoru torture match. You didn't even see it as that. You just saw it as a boring hold-based match or whatever, and I, I get why you would think that way. So well, I, I got to tell you, when, when he had these matches with Okada and Tanahashi, fans were screaming for those guys to get out of these holds. Yeah. And I hear all this talk about how Naito's the most popular wrestler in the world in New Japan uh, by far. No one's as popular. Why didn't anyone care that he was in this hold? I mean, you know, it's, is it the work or is it, is it something else? Because why didn't I hear fans screeching? Everyone tells me 90% of the fans are wearing these dopey LIJ shirts. Where were they then? Where were they? I didn't hear them screeching for this guy to survive. No one cared. Then he hits his dumb finisher and he leaves. I just, I hated this. And both of these guys can lay eggs. And they laid two of them together this year. All I know is Tanahashi and Okada had people into their Suzuki matches. Got to be fair here. We got to be fair here. You know, and, and, and that is the fact. Goto too. Very different kind of match though with Goto. That was more of a, I'm going to attempt to kill you. More than I'm going to attempt to break a limb. But I mean, you know, it just didn't work. And, and I think it has to fall on both guys. I didn't see the same kind of intensity from Suzuki. And I didn't see any kind of, you know, the work here from Naito didn't pull people into the match. So, you know, it, it's, it, they should be taking the task for it. This was a boring-ass main event. 
one of the five worst or three worst main events in modern New Japan history. In terms of, you know, boring as shit. And this show stunk. This was the worst show, and say from 2011 or 2012 on, this was the worst show New Japan's had. Major show. And I'm counting, I'm counting Tag League Finals. Because those shows at least had one or two matches you could sink your teeth. This had nothing. Everything, nothing was, everything was either average, bad, or fucking was boring as shit. All these, some other bad New Japan shows at least gave you one or two matches that you can get into to some extent. This stunk. Couldn't stand the show. Yeah, all right. Well, that's that was those two. So uh, we got Kobe now. Destruction and Kobe coming up this weekend. I'll do a quick little preview of that. I think we'll start at the top. We got Tanahashi versus Okada, which should hopefully be better than the uh, prior main event and some of the other stuff we've seen uh, this weekend. This is, of course, for the Tokyo Dome IWGP Championship Challenge rights certificate. Uh, you took a little bit of issue before we kind of get to the other match on the show with Kenny Omega and Tanahashi essentially starting to cut promos already for Wrestle Kingdom on Twitter, uh, New Japan releasing press releases and stuff like that. Uh, does that a red herring, or were they already kind of getting their the cart before the horse and, and advertising Omega and Tanahashi uh, before Tanahashi has defeated Okada uh, to ensure that he's going to be in the Wrestle Kingdom main event? I saw you take some issue with that. What do you think of, of everything that was going yeah, on? Yeah, I mean, if, if look, if it's a red herring to throw people off the scent, that's one thing. But if Tanahashi wins this match and retains the case, can you at least wait until after this match to start building the next match? I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I don't care about the content of the promos they're cutting on each other. That's what everybody's focusing on. I don't give a shit about that. Okay, I, I have no interest in that. My problem with this is they're building a match that isn't even necessarily official yet. It's like, shouldn't Tanahashi be worried about Okada? Who, you know, has gotten the better of him. Who Tanahashi, Look, Tanahashi, the best he can do against this guy lately is a draw. Otherwise, he loses to him. Shouldn't he be worried about this guy taking his case? rather than taking shots at Kenny Omega. I mean, so unless they're telling a, a story here of, of maybe, you know, the story is Tanahashi was too overconfident and, Ome- and Okada picked him off. Or, but I don't get the sense that they're doing that. I get the sense that, that Tanahashi is just going to win this match and retain the case. Because Jay, yeah, Jay White's the builds, not winning the, builds, the case. Let's be honest. Jay White might no, challenge no, let's be honest, The builds kind of suck for this match. Yeah, it does, it does because they haven't built it. It's... It, no, there hasn't been. There's been like Yoshihashi. Like, let's make fun of Yoshihashi in between these two guys. But I'm not feeling. I mean, the, of all, I mean, this is fucking Okada Tanahashi, and it's like l- poking fun at Tanahashi uh, at Yoshihashi, and then Tanahashi saying Omega's, you know, cares too much about how good his matches are, and it's like, oh, okay, you guys are having like, uh, you know, the next chapter in the greatest feud, you know, in modern wrestling. Like, maybe let's talk about that a little bit. It's this is a. A weird, weird build for this. I forgot this match. Until we were doing the show, until I was prepping for the show, until I posted the uh, the preview uh, at voiceofwrestling.com, I, I, for whatever reason, I, I guess I thought that this Okada Tanahashi was happening another month. I forgot it was happening right now. Right already, we're having it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, the build's kind of sucked. Like, a lot. It's been kind of nothing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think, um, you know, it, it's if, if you're giving away the finish, I mean, I think they got to be smarter than that. This is all very weird. Um. Will there be egg on our face if Okada wins and they were just... But here's the thing. If Okada wins and they were just trying to throw us off the center, what's the point? Why not just build this match and stop worrying about trying to be tricky? Right, exactly. Yeah, why why, why build up a red herring when you just, yeah, just build the match? <laughs> like, it's, you know, it's not... They, they know how to do it. We've seen them do it for years and years and years. But with, this has been a very 
This build has been so weird. I have no feel for this. And Tanahashi's great at blurring the lines. We've seen him do it before, and he's great at working people and all that. But this is just so un-Tanahashi-like to put the cart before the horse and just and start building another match when there's a big one right in front of you that people should be Mm -hmm. you know interested in the outcome of, which I thought was a 50-50 outcome, but now I'm almost certain Tanahashi's going to win. So if Okada does win, they fooled me, and it worked. And I'll have a very different, you know, well, a slightly different opinion of it next week or whatever. But Yeah, well, I don't think they've even done a good job of building Okada to say, hey, you're looking past me. Don't don't worry about Kenny Omega, worry about me. And and we haven't done that. Like, that has not been part of the build. It's been essentially Yoshihashi is uh, a a pawn or so, you know what I mean? Like that's been the build. It has not been. Cause then if that's your idea, because I'd be a hundred percent into that. If Tanahashi's talking about Omega, talking about Omega, talking about Omega and Okada goes, Hey, look, you know, I might be carrying around balloons and shit and, and being whatever I am, but you got to beat me. You know, don't start worrying about Wrestle Kingdom yet. You got to get through me. And let's be honest. You haven't been able to beat me. You've been able to tie me, but you haven't been able to beat me. So that would have been an awesome, but they haven't done that. You know what I mean? Like that has not been part of the build. That has not been the central focus of the build at all. And that's, to me, how you would do it, and they haven't. So it's been very strange. I don't. Understand yeah, it just what's sucks. It just sucks. It's, it's this weird work shoot bullshit. It's in and in this case, it's it annoys me because they're not building the match that's in front of us, which is what they should be doing. But uh, mm-hmm. that'll be the uh, Kobe Destruction Show, the third and final of the Kobe Show. You want to run down the card? Um, uh, yeah, real quickly, uh, th- some other stuff on here. Some notable matches. Kushida and Bushi, that's a uh, semifinal match for the uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship Tournament. Uh, you got LIJ, Naito, Sonata, and Evil versus Suzuki Gun, which is Minoru Suzuki, Zack Sabre Jr., and Taka Michinoku. Uh, you got Juice Robinson, David Finley, and Toa Hanare versus uh, uh, Jay White, Yoshihashi, and Will Ospreay. You have the best friends. This is a pretty fun match I'm looking forward to. Beretta and Chucky T, of course, uh, against Killer Elite Squad. Uh, you got Taguchi Japan, which is Togi Makabe, Hanma, Taguchi, and Yoshida versus Tenkozi, uh, Tenzan, and Kojima, Yuji Nagata, and Minabu Nakanishi. Uh, other tag match here, you got Jushin Lager and Tiger Mask versus Kanemoro and Desperado. Uh, Shoto Amino and Ren Rita versus uh, Yo and Sho. Uh, and then Yota Shudu. Uh, I forget how to pronounce. How do you how do you pronounce Yota's Suji? Is it just Suji? Suji? Okay, I always I always get that wrong. And then Yumura. Yumura? Suji and Yumura. Yeah, Yumura. I only asked you to do this. You yeah. botch those. Yeah, I, I always I get those guys. You more I get right. There's too many U's in that. It's kind a of lot of vowels in the. You know. know what it is? Yeah, like it, who's it's got, like I think you more should trade some vowels for Suji's consonants, and then then their names would work exactly. Better. Yeah, because yeah, uh, <laughs> right. It's like, you know who needs all those U's? Nobody needs that. But many it's U's interesting. The uh, uh, best friends KS. They already had a match in Bipu, and it was very average. Uh, it wasn't very good. The wrestling again. The thing about that for me is I want to see if they trade wins here. Or if KES just wins again and goes three and zero on the tour, which would indicate uh, to me a stronger, uh, you know, a, a, a push for them in terms of another title challenge. But if they trade wins and best friends wins, and it means they're really not doing anything with either one of them. Um, and then of course the junior title tournament kicks off with Kushida and Bushi. So I expect Kushida to win that, and I think we'll get a Kushida uh, Osprey final. And I'd be okay, I guess, with either one of those guys winning it. But I think that's the final we'll get. It's the final I want, too, because those guys always have great matches together. Sure. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. I'd agree as well. Yeah, the card, I mean, on its face, I mean, you got Tanahashi no Kata, and I'm sure that will be good, even though we've been kind of ragging on the build. And Kushida Bushi, I guess, could be fine. But again, this looks like another show that, like, I don't know, maybe I'll be surprised and everybody goes out there and gives full effort. But, man, these destruction shows, this could be one of those weird... I, listen, and, destruction and, has been taking a beating the last couple of years for not being great shows. But I think yeah, this will be the best has. of the three because we the other two just weren't good. 
um, Beepu was horrible. And yeah, and the Kobe crowd's usually a little bit better too. And I think that would because the Beepu crowd was awful. The Beepu crowd made no. I mean, for, for people that have not had a show in God eight years or whatever, and yeah, they weren't given like a very good show. But Jesus, you would think that they'd be like frothing at the mouth, and they didn't give a shit about anybody. They cared a little bit about the entrances, but a lot of the matches didn't do anything. And, and I don't blame them. I mean, the matches kind of sucked, so I don't, you know, I get why they did that. But it was kind of perplexing that the crowd just didn't seem to make any yeah, noise whatsoever. Yeah, chicken egg night. thing. It was a terrible show too. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if the crowd went in there with low expectations, and then it, yeah, it's, it's you never know when you go when you're in a crowd or uh, you're watching. But you've a show got with the crowd, but you've got yeah, Tanahashi Okada on this show, and that's going to be a great match, and, and the fans are going to be sure. super into that. And I do think Kushida Bushi, especially as a semi-main, is going to be really good. And we haven't had a good semi-main on this on any of these shows yet, because Goto Taichi, right, right, yeah. Oh, I mean, guys, that she, didn't yeah, tick that Jesus. box, and, and then, then it was just a random, you know, whatever six-man. Yeah, the Hiroshima was Tanahashi and Great Bash Shield versus uh, Okada Yoshihashi and Jay White, which I mean, Jesus. That, yeah, and that was a know, better, and that that was a better it. match than Taichi Goto, but it was a six-man tag that, you know, it's like you go into those, Nobody yeah, really you go into them not caring, Nobody cared about it. Um, and it wasn't, and, and you know, and it wasn't a great match or a good match or anything. It was just an okay match. So we haven't had a good semi-main event. So I think it'll this show will have the best semi-main event, and it's a good chance we'll have the best. I mean, there's no way. I mean, this is definitely going to be better than Suzuki. I mean, these two guys could just go in the ring and stare at each other, and it's going to be. I'm serious. <laughs> right. It'll be better than Naito um, Suzuki yeah. just on aura alone of these two mega stars being in the same ring together. But they've never not had a great match. They can have their worst match, and it's going to be better than Suzuki Naito. Um, and, and you know, it, it's a lot of people were down on Omega Ishii, so, it, you know, I think it could be better than that, too. I mean, I didn't think that was a match of the year contender or anything. So if these guys go out there and have a borderline match of the year contender, it's going to be the best main event out of the three out of the three shows, too. So I do, and look, the undercard is going to be the same dry undercard that we've gotten already. Look, Best Friends Killer Elite Squad have a chance to go out there and have a better match than they had last time. So, I don't know. I'm optimistic that this show can be better than the other two, for sure. On paper, it looks like it it, it can, and almost certainly, you know, I'd be willing to bet that this is going to be the best of the three. I mean, I, and I think that would be a safe bet. For sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree as well. Um, all right, let's get to uh, CML's anniversary show. It's the 85th anniversary show. We always try to talk about this. Uh, every single year. I have only seen the main event of, uh, of this show. You have seen... Have you seen all of it? Or I know you at one point were just the semi-main I saw the semi-main in the main so far? Okay, so let's talk about those then. Uh, any any other news coming out of the other matches or uh, anything that is noteworthy other than the uh, the, the main event? And the, I don't and know anything. I'm going to watch the full show sometime this week. Um, you know, I haven't heard anything. I've heard that the show was pretty much an eh show. So I don't think our opinions are going to be way off the reservation. Because uh, I haven't seen anyone saying that this is some kind of killer show or anything like that. Everyone was pretty much just... Look, I think everyone's still bummed that we didn't get L.A. Park versus Roosh. That hurt the show coming in. Because it's a main event that wasn't a hot main event. And then the show itself, you know, nothing on the show. Uh, I haven't heard anyone say that anything on the show was, was great or worth going out of your way to see. All right, so let's talk about that semi-main and the main. I uh, saw the main. Do you want to start with that one, and then, uh, or do you want to start with the semi-main, which which you saw? Well, I, I can talk about that quickly. Yet. I thought the semi-main event was better than the main event. I thought it was a good match. Um, one of the better matches out of these four shows, actually, I'd have to say. If I'd have to rank out the best matches out of these four big shows this week, I would put Omega Ishii number one quite easily, and I would put either this match or the Samoa Joe AJ Styles match second. So just to give you an idea 
of 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 the quality of the match. I think it's worth watching. Um, I enjoyed it. It was a uh, you know a trios match with with King Phoenix, which of course is is uh, Phoenix, Penta L Zero M, which is Pentagon Junior, and Diamante Azul uh, defeating Caristico El Hijo de L A Park and L A Park. Um, you know, so I did think it was better than the main. I thought. Which is a nuts, uh, th- that lineup of people is insane, by the way. <laughs> I see on the show, just to kind of get that, give you an idea of that. I mean, that, that is historic, just those names all together on a show is, is in of itself pretty yeah. amazing. So, uh, very similar in quality, in, uh, in, but a very different kind of match to, I think, the AJ Styles Joe match. If people are looking for a guide, um, I think it was better than anything on Destruction and Bipu. Um, I think it was better than uh, probably almost everything on, on, on Hell in a Cell. And it was better than the main event on this show. Uh, and then the main event, uh, which I saw uh, and you saw as well. Uh, it was Rush and uh, Kevin Ario uh, defeating Matt Taven and Volador Jr. This is a best two out of three falls hair versus hair match. So, of course, we were supposed to get Rush in L.A. Park. That did not happen. Uh, many, many reasons why that did not happen. We covered it a few weeks ago. Uh, and this was the replacement event, uh, Rush and Kevin Ario. Uh, versus Taven and Volador Jr. Uh, the results of the match, if you did not see it, uh, Russian Kevin Ario defeated Volador Jr. Matt Taven. Uh, Matt Taven turned on Volador at the end uh, to help uh, his team uh, lose, I suppose. And uh, we saw Volador and Matt Taven get somewhat shaved. Uh, the rest of their hair will get shaved later, but uh, you saw half of their uh, heads get shaved here. Uh, did not have the same emotion as a mask versus match mask is going to have, of course, with it being hair versus hair versus hair. I mean, that's still an important thing, but it's not nearly as much as, oh my God, we're seeing a, you know, someone lose their mask and it's not going to be that big of a deal because guys either grow their hair back right away or, you know, they are just doing it to get a haircut every so often. But, uh, overall I enjoyed this match a lot. I thought it was really pretty solid. Um, I know I saw some in between thoughts from a bunch of people. And I think it's just that I like these guys a little bit better than most. Uh, Kevin Ario and Volador Jr. I really do enjoy all that much. Rush, I can take or leave. Like, I know he's got a big charisma and big ambiance, but he doesn't do a whole lot for me in the ring. Uh, Kevin Ario, I absolutely love. He's one of my favorite wrestlers because he's just like, the moves he does is so innovative and the stuff you see, you just don't see from other people. And Volador Jr. is just a great high flyer. So, I mean, shit, I like this better than any of those previous anniversary matches I see, which, yeah, you know, I know most people enjoy the other ones more when it's, you know, your older cats and your, you know, your Ultimo Guerreros and your, 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 those, you know, those guys, you know, doing the mass versus mass matches, but I don't really like Lucha Brawls. To me, a big flippy thing like this was, I'll take that any day over, over kind of a big, you know, sort of emotional Lucha Brawl where the guys just kind of, you know, work around the ring and, and do that sort of stuff. I enjoyed this a little bit more because it was high flying and there was a lot going on, but I thought Taven looked pretty good as well. Uh, but I thought Kevin Dario and, and Valador, particularly Valador, really stood out to me. So I, I enjoyed it. I, I liked it a lot. I don't know if it's a match that I'm going to rank very highly, you know, in my match of the year or whatever, but, you know, I enjoyed watching it. I didn't feel like I wasted my time. I just thought it was a match. Um, you know, it, it's not, it's not the match anyone wanted. I didn't think, uh, so I think that hurt it, but, I've been watching the Friday CMLL pretty consistently for, you know, the last couple of months. And I didn't think this was drastically different than a lot of the, you know, okay Friday CMLL matches that I see. Um, you know, it, it did nothing for me. I, I came away from watching this thinking that I just watched an average match. An average big CMLL match in Arena Mexico. It, it just did nothing for me. And um, Taven does nothing for me. The idea that Matt Taven was in this anniversary main event is just mind blowing. <laughs> it was a little weird. It was def- like, it, yeah. Well, that makes you a Melvin, sir. If you do not, it's just weird, it you know. And I, I, I get that he does decent work down there. I understand that. 
Um, Volador is fine. Um, little overrated, but I, I, I do enjoy him. I think he's a little overrated. Um, Cavanario, I love. Now, now Roosh, since I'm already grumpy on this show and I'm pissing a bunch of people off anyway, I might as well go all the way and piss everyone off. I think the guy is severely overrated. I mean, I get that he has an aura. I get that he has uh, a lot of charisma. I get that he's a great troll-style heel. Um, but he's a meme wrestler to me. I think he works better. And what I mean by meme wrestler is... Look, I think I think he knows how charismatic he is. I think he knows how over he is, and I know I think he knows he can get away with it. Um, I never feel like I'm getting full effort from the guy. And I just don't think he's very good. I think he kind of stinks, if I'm really being honest. Um I think there's certain things. It, it, it's 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 he gets he's he's a guy who totally gets by on his charisma to me. I'm never impressed with this man ever. Not in Mexico. Definitely not in Japan. He comes to New Japan and I don't know why they bring him. I mean, he doesn't even try. Um, he's a guy that they should, you know, I understand he's a big star, but. Oh, that stuff, that stuff was egregious. Like his, his stuff with, uh, that was terrible. He's he never. Came, what was good. it the tag league, right? In Ju- the tag league yeah. a few years ago was, was like, what are you doing, dude? Why did you even come on a plane? If this is the, what you're going to do. Yeah, that poor like, match against Nakamura. I bet, you know, it, it's just, but, but, but forget that. I mean, even in Mexico, he just gets by in his charisma. He's not very good. Um, I just don't get him. I don't know. Maybe it's just a style thing. That's possible too. Maybe it's just his style of work. He's a guy that wants to walk and brawl with LA park and throw, you know, beer at each other. And I don't get off on that stuff. So like a lot of other people do, I just, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't really, I, I, I don't get excited about that. I don't think it's particularly, I don't think it's super entertaining. Basically what Roosh is to me, he's out there having 1996 Axel Rotten ECW arena matches. And I mean, that's what he is. I mean, you know, a lot of times these, that's what the LA park matches are. They're 1996 ECW matches. I've seen them before. I saw them 20 years ago. You know, that's not what this was, but I mean, you know, he didn't stand out in this match to me either. You know, his charisma always stands out. And I guess that's the name of the game. He's over and he's charismatic and he's a great heel. And I agree with all those things, but he does nothing for me bell to bell. And it wasn't that long ago that he was considered a very poor wrestler. And then he kind of broke out Mm -hmm. a few years ago and he had the charisma explosion. I don't think he's all that. I mean, he's, he's improved for sure, but I don't, I still don't think he's a good wrestler, but, um, that's enough for the dump on Roosh hour. Um, as far <laughs> yeah, as the match goes, I, I just thought it was a okay. Dump on Naito, dump on Roosh. Uh, you got any uh, hot takes on Takeda? I'm trying to think of the guys that would get you in trouble. Might as well bring them all on uh, as we, while you're already there. Uh, Takeda, I oh, guess. But Takeda, uh, I guess you could say LA Park but, sucks. Yeah, but you like Takeda. Takeda's awesome. Good, so. and he's having a really good year. Right. So I, I can't, I'm not going to dump on him. And LA Park, he was fine on this show. I mean, but... You know, it was just disappointing to see him in the semi-main. And it's always fun to see him and Pentagon Jr. in the same match and those sorts of things. Um, I have nothing bad to say about him. Um, but we all want that match, the hair versus mask match. And um, I think it would be... Well, I mean, they fucking advertised it. So it's yeah. like, of course everybody yeah. wanted to see it. And we're it's... disappointed. It's not like we fantasy booked ourselves and got disappointed because it didn't happen. They fucking advertised that it was going to happen. And well, they definitely it built to it, and it for sure. Didn't. Yeah. Um, but, you yeah. know, the, the the smart people said... Eh, Wait for it to be official, you know, and maybe, and I right. think we all recognized that there was a chance it wouldn't happen. 
I think what this does, though, okay, you want me to annoy more people? I got another one for you. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, go ahead. What this yeah, does, though, is completely eliminates L.A. Park from any serious award talk whatsoever because he needed this match. He needed the Roosh match. We didn't get it. So his resume falls very short of the serious Flair Fez contenders, Wrestler of the Year contenders, that sort of thing. He just doesn't have the resume. He needed that match um, and didn't get it. So I, I can't take Park arguments seriously. now. I just can't. Um, I understand a lot of it is a meme. I Look, I get that. I, it, that's not something that's, you know, falling on deaf ears here. I understand it. But if, if you want to have a serious conversation about that stuff, he can't be in the conversation. anymore. Doesn't have the resume. Even if you loved the matches to the build, to the match that never happened, even if you loved those matches, it's still not enough of a resume. When there's other wrestlers out there who are having great matches, you know, nearly every week, he's just not doing that. So even when you take into consideration that I didn't, I didn't love the matches and the build to the Park Rush match that never happened. Even if you did love those, he did, it, 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 his resume is very shallow. Now, right, this is going to be the ace in the hole. This is what this he is needed. Be the, the stamp on the resume, particularly for something like Flair Fez, he has no argument. I mean, he had right. look. The increased attendance in Arena Mexico for four weeks or six weeks or whatever. I shouldn't say he has no argument. That's wrong. I take that back. He doesn't have as strong an argument as other people because he needed this one. This would have been the kind of match that defined a year in wrestling, and it didn't happen. He did pop Arena Mexico for a number of weeks. And I guess we'll see what happens for the rest of the year. You know, and he's coming to MLW, and and people are going to book him now. We'll see what happens. But at this point, I think he at best can be called a fringe contender for those awards. He's not a strong contender because he needed this match. So how about that? You think that'll rile some people up? There it is. Yeah, okay. that, that's good. That's All what right. we needed. So thank you. I'm grumpy Appreciate anyway. It. And I didn't, I didn't <laughs> like well. any. Yeah, I'm yeah, burying yeah, everything yeah. in sight this week. So Yeah, I buried Rush, buried uh, Naito. I thought while you're there, you know, let's, let's go for it. Right? I mean, really, where is LA Park's match of the year contender? Rich, does he have a match that's going to finish top 20 in our poll? He doesn't. Yeah, probably not. And, and and I get that there's like that groundswell of him. And I, I agree. You know, there's been a lot of times where I've 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 understood the business stuff, but like you said, this was gonna be, and I think that's where it, where it all falls, is this was gonna be that stamp. He man evented Arena Mexico. This is the you know, he man evented the CML anniversary show, getting this amount of crowd and that this is gonna be the defining part of his legacy this year, and it didn't happen, and now there's not really much opportunity for it to happen. I think what's interesting though, and I don't know if you saw this, that he's coming, uh, he's starting to do shots other places. He's coming yeah. to Chicago to work for AEW, which I feel I got go to have to show. You course, have to you know. MLW. Uh, yeah. Cause I mean, that's a, that's a once in a lifetime. Yeah. MLW. Um, he's doing some stuff. So it's growing a little bit, which is good, but yeah, I don't know if the resume is all the way there when there's some other contenders across the world. But I mean, at the end of the year, if there's not a bunch, if there's not a slam dunk candidate, I, you know, I'll, I'll hear an argument for it. It's just like you said, it's going to be a little bit harder. Whereas before it would have been like, Oh, okay. I will definitely see his argument. Now it's like, you're really going to have to try to argue a little bit and, and use, you know, you know, month of attendance at arena Mexico and stuff like that to really do uh, the thing. And then, yeah, you really have to judge it by your, you know, your appeal to his type of matches where if, you know, the, the maybe the great, the general consensus is not going to be that he's had an incredible in-ring year, even if, you know, he appeals to your style, but yeah, like our match of the year, he's not probably not going to do well. We know in the observer, uh, he's not going to do well, but uh, yeah, I mean, if we want Lucha voters though, I mean, shit, if you're a Lucha voter and, and you haven't worked in our poll before or voted in our poll, we would love to have you. Cause we try like hell to get Lucha Rich, voters. I don't think we, he, Rich, done a good I don't job think he's going to do, I don't think his matches are going to do particularly well among, among that crowd either. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I know. I, 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 people use that as sort of the easy, 
thing is like, ah, nobody votes Lucha, but we have Lucha. I mean, last year there was one time where we, I, I remember you and I, we got one of the guys that we were like, ah, this guy is a Lucha voter. Thank God we got him. And then we got our polls and there was two Lucha matches and a bunch of Japanese matches. We were like, God damn And he's <laughs> Spanish as a first language guy in Mexico who reports on Mexican wrestling. But, but Right, so we were like, ah, we got this guy because it'll but, help. But no, it, that's yeah. a little different case because last year everyone acknowledges that it wasn't a good in-ring year in Mexico last year. So I think right, that right, had something right. to do with it. But what I'm saying is I don't even think I, – I don't know. I, I could be off on this, but I, just, I don't think any of these Arena Mexico six-man tags are going to light the world on fire come award time for any – forget our dumb awards, Observer Awards, anything. I, I, I You know, so I don't think – you know, his case rests on popping Arena Mexico's attendance. And, and look, the guy's a megastar and all of those things. And I'm not saying that, you know, he's that he's not worthy of consideration for these. But I think it's very clear that he needed this match. This would have vaulted him to the top of the list for prime contenders for things. And I, now I think he falls off a bit. And we'll see what happens. He's getting booked in the United States. And uh, it's, it's, he's going to draw people like you. And, you know, I don't think he's going to make a huge difference to these indies or whatnot. Um, but in Mexico, the guy's a megastar, and there's no denying that. And I like watching him. You know, I loved watching him WrestleMania weekend. And, um, you know, let's not forget that that crash show WrestleMania weekend that he headlined didn't draw 5,000 fans, okay? It did, a, it did the same crowd that all those other shows did. He didn't catch fire and do anything special until he started doing this stuff with Arena Mexico, and, and he gets credit for that. He definitely popped the building. But this is a very short run this year of, you know, a very, very short run that he had. And I don't think the match quality is there. So I don't want to continue to belabor the same point over and over. But I think it was it, it's this match not happening hurts his case uh, in terms of winning awards and, and those sort of dopey things. If you even care about that, you know what I mean? A lot of people don't care about that and it doesn't even matter. But um, but we'll see what happens for the rest of the year. We still have, a, you know three months to go or whatever it is. Uh, some fun news uh, coming out of uh, this week, and it, it relates to people that were on the show and in that match with LA Park, is uh, Penta and Phoenix are staying with MLW. This is a tweet from uh, Court Bauer, of course, the uh, the head of MLW. He says, I've moved heaven and earth. Penta, Phoenix, and Selena are with MLW for the foreseeable future. Selena just signed a new deal, and the Lucha Brothers, who's Penta and Phoenix, are committed through the end of 2019 at the very least. Joe, what does this news mean? We had heard a lot about them possibly going to WWE, uh, WWE having interest in them. They're staying put in uh, MLW is all we know for now. We have no idea what the exclusivity of that is, if that means they can't work in bet. If they're just MLW, we don't know what that is exactly. All we know is they're not going to WWE, and they're effectively staying with MLW, as Court says, through the end of 2019 at the very least. So what do you make of this? Now, now? these two dudes are like the opposite of LA Park because they have gone all over the world and had great matches in like, you know, a half a dozen promotions or more. But they don't have the business argument that you have with L.A. Park. L.A. Park has the business argument. These guys have the bell-to-bell argument because they're awesome everywhere they go and they're great. Now, as far as the question that you're asking me, it's I think it's a great thing for wrestling that they did not sign with WWE and that uh, they re-signed with MLW. Number one, MLW contracts allow you to work in any other promotion, whether it's on television or not, with the exception of WWE, which means that these guys will continue to work everywhere and continue to kill it everywhere they go. Whether that's uh, MLW, Impact, AAW, uh, CMLL, you name it. They can work anywhere but WWE, and that's a great thing. And we've got that 
we're going to have these guys. They're going to have another great year all the way through 2019. The other aspect is it's good for wrestling that WWE doesn't win all of these battles and that and that yes. stars yeah. do end up in other places. And MLW, which has a lot, major money backing, look at the MLW business model. They have shitty TV on BN Sports. It's a good foot in the door. But that's not any kind of significant television deal. Yeah, well, and half the cable, half the cable providers have dropped that. I mean, I don't even get it anymore. Thing. I mean, I watched it on YouTube anyway. But yeah, I had being sports. Right. Now I don't and neither do I and they're, because they're, they're, yeah, they're I don't get it either anymore. Right. Yeah. But they have a shitty TV deal. Okay. They draw indie-sized crowds, so they're not making their money on live. Where do they make money? MLW, without question, is bleeding red. But they have big money backers, and yet at the same time, they use top talent. They run big shows. They have great production values. They're losing money. But they got big money backers, and this is more proof of it. Because to win a bidding war of sorts for these two guys, or to convince them not to go to WWE at this point in time, and maybe they figure, hey, we're red hot, we can milk this for another year. Whatever the motivations were, MLW convinced them to sign with them and not WWE, and that's a good thing. Anytime anyone wins a bidding war, or, or even, you know, anytime anyone decides not to go there, it's good for us as fans. And it's good for the industry as a whole. And it keeps everything healthier. When WWE just doesn't stockpile all of the talent. So this is a very encouraging sign. And yeah, I talked about this on one of the, uh, the Q&A shows. Uh, sorry not to interrupt about how me selfishly, you know, whatever, if these guys thought that was the best opportunity for them or whatever, but me selfishly as somebody who can go to AEW and see I'm 20 minutes away from Penna and Phoenix, you know, wrestling on, on, on almost a monthly basis. You know what I mean? Like just knowing that they are being able to be an impact, that they're in AEW, that they're in MLW, that they're in all these different companies. That's awesome for me as a fan. And that's one of the things that I love when, when they stay away from WWE is that all that stuff is open up to them and that we can see them in all these different facets and, and instead of just being kind of gobbled up and, and, and put in that machine or whatnot, not that I don't think that, and, and people ask me who I thought would be, you know, if they would do well in WWE. And I think I said that Phoenix, I thought would do well. Penna, I was really worried about in WWE. I, I just don't see that they're going to see anything in him. I think Phoenix would probably top out at like a Kalisto level, which is probably okay. But Pentagon, they're just not going to get, you know what I mean? And it's just the wrestling world is better with these guys away from it because there are so many places that they can work and so many fun things that they can do and so much important things that they can do all across the world. So I'm so glad that they, they were able to kind of stick with MLW and, and hopefully uh, uh, there's not exclusivity there and they can work a bunch of different places as well. And, and I don't think, I mean, I, there's no way that MLW could, could even ask these guys to have exclusivity unless they're going to pay them, you know, a million bucks a year, which I highly doubt they are. But uh, yeah, so there's no way. So we, that means that Penton Phoenix are going to be popping up other places as well. And, and we're still going to be able to see them at Indies in impact in wherever. So that, that, that's good news. That's, that's a positive for the wrestling business. Yeah. And you, you can't have one company hoarding all of the stars. So at least for another year. And these are two significant stars that, that work everywhere and work on top everywhere. What does that tell you? They don't go anywhere and work, you know, second from the bottom. Everywhere they go, they work on top. So, and now it gives these other companies, it gives all these companies a chance to build around the, these talents a little bit. And, um, you know, I've talked about this topic a lot on the TV reviews on the subscription side, but, um, you know, MLW is probably going to lose Shane Strickland after the 31st of December. So, um, you know, and, and, and it looks like they're going to win this one. Or, or already have, according to Court Bauer. So it's, it's, it's done. And Selena De Laurenta resigned as well. Yes. Yeah. That's good. They're winning uh, bidding wars a little bit, at least for now <laughs> until, yeah, like you said, it's decision to see, uh, the war games. You talked about it on your uh, TV reviews. I watched it this week. Ah, eh, not great. I've, I've seen no, war games. Wasn't was good. I, I didn't it, enjoy so. war games at all. The, the war games match 
and here's the fun fact. You know, this is the kind of the, the fun thing that we discovered last year when we did a War Games project. Most War Games matches kind of stink. Yeah. Like, they're not a great gimmick match. Like, everybody thinks that they're good because there's been a few really good ones. Most of them stink. Most it's more it's more legend was, yeah, it's like one. it's it's more legend now than anything else when it comes to the war games yeah oh the war games like go back go back and watch one of the war games even the good war there is like a few that are really spectacular but most of them and, and, and a lot of the right. early ones were helped that they were really hot feuds coming in and people were mm-hmm. amped up for them and that's always going to raise the level of a match and matches aren't going to look as good in hindsight as they are going to look in the moment when it's a super hot feud Right, like, I don't know about the fantastic, you know, I don't know the, the build to the, the, this feud or whatnot. I wasn't in the moment when it was happening. But one one thing I did love about this uh, in the the build to uh, <laughs> the actual match on the actual episode of MLW, and I just wanted to talk about this real quick. Uh, Tommy Dreamer gets the mic. So it's his team. It's like Barrington Hughes and Cotto Brazil and, and, and John Morrison and Shane Strickland. And Tommy Dreamer <laughs> gets the mic. And they must not have talked about this before, but Tommy Dreamer says, a great man Martin Luther King once said, and you see Shane Strickland just immediately, he's about to laugh so badly. He just seems, I don't know, did you catch this or did you talk about it? I did, all three of them. He is trying so hard to not laugh. And he looks at Barrington Hughes and Barrington Hughes is just like, Barrington Hughes uses the, I just keep my eyes open as big as possible to not laugh. Shane Strickland does the, I don't look any one direction so I don't laugh. And he's just talking about this Martin Luther well, King. Well, he brought up Martin Luther King. Being- he brought up Martin Luther King, and I thought he was going to say, wow, we have a real diverse team here. We got. And he didn't. Yeah, I thought he, we got thing. black teaming with white, but he never brought up race. He talked about, we got fat guys and we got thin guys. We got veterans and we've got youngsters. Why bring up Martin Luther King if you're not going to bring up. The obvious fucking ele- the, the race aspect of it. You got a mixed race team. I thought that's oh where he was going, which God. again wouldn't have made much sense for the wrestling promo. Um, but but then he just talked about body size, <laughs> which I don't know. I didn't know Martin Luther King was you know a, a proponent of. He was not a body shamer. No, oh, I didn't know he was all about so. thin and fat living together in harmony. I didn't know that was yeah, the tenant yeah, no, of was. his uh, of his stance. Um, it was, you know, it wasn't the central focus, but it was certainly part of it. You if know, you say was, so. You know, uh, the cliff notes. You, you got to read the footnotes where he says, you know, also, you know. But shape, the match itself, like and I talked about it on the subscription side, too much Barrington Hughes because he's terrible. You know, that guy stinks. I have no idea what they see in him. And the match was kind of built around him. The finish definitely was. I mean, they're setting up these big man spots with Barrington Hughes. The guy can barely move. You know, and then, you know, he's the one who taps out Sawyer Fulton at the end with the barbed wire. I guess that looked all right. But, I mean, that guy is not a good pro wrestler. And to me, he's not major league. And to me, he's a guy who they shouldn't feature. You know, if, he, if they want him mm-hmm. to be a sidekick for Shane Strickland or a second or a valet or just a gimmicky undercard guy, but he should never be pushed because he's not major league quality. I don't know who he's friends with. But. Yeah, and they have a lot of, yeah, I don't know either, but they have a lot of like good wrestlers on that show. I mean, that that's... But not many of them were in that War Games match, and that's kind of a problem about it. Is like when you looked up and down the card, there was you know John Morrison wasn't out there to do a whole lot. Cotto Brazil, I thought, took a good beating. Uh, Barrington Hughes, who was a central focus, was is not very good. And Jimmy Havoc, it was good in this, but I think he's better when he can kind of when he's not confined to a cage. You know what I mean? Like he's better being able to be reckless and and, and all over the place, and and kind of the same for Sam McCallan. And then you take Shane Strickland out of the match as well, which didn't uh, exactly help either. Yeah. So you took a lot of the well, good they, of that well, match out. Take, so yeah, it just didn't. They had to take Shane work. Strickland out because they had the the the, the the baby faces win the coin toss. So they had to somehow right. give the edge to the heels. Yeah, I wondered. I, so they, had the ba- they come out and they say, oh, Cotto Brazil is going to have some backup here in a little bit. And I said, ah, oh, they fucked it up. You don't have the baby faces get the advantage. And then I realized then later, then the Shane Strickland kid come out and I was like, oh, that's why. Okay. Right. Sense. So then but they took out Strickland yeah. and then the heels ended up having the advantage anyway. 
uh, for, you know, until, especially when everyone got in the ring. But, I mean, yeah, but it just didn't work. And they had a lot of guys who can do plunder. You had Abyss. You had Jimmy Havoc. You had Tommy Dreamer. I mean, you have some of the best plunder workers of all time in this match. And it just didn't work. So, I mean, you know, I think they, you know, I'm, I'm the opposite of a lot of people. and Maybe the opposite of the stance you just took. I think they booked the right people for a War Games match. But it, it still just didn't work. And it fell flat for me. And I don't like Barrington Hughes at all. And, um, you know, it just, you know, what are you going to do? I'm glad they showed it on TV. They didn't have to do that. I know it came together relatively last minute. Um, but, yeah, it, it's another disappointment this week and a week of disappointments. Throw that in as the fifth, you know, major show. I didn't like that match. Didn't like it. Yeah, that was the match I went to. I was hoping that I could uh, could get some solace because I'd watch all these other things. I went, you know what, God, I need, I need something good, something I know is going to be good. So I threw on the MLW War Games, and that wasn't that good. I was like, come on, I'm dying here. Thankfully, I did find something good eventually. Uh, Wrestle 1, I don't know if you watched this. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying Wrestle 1. Processing Love in Yokohama 2018. Uh, September 2nd, 2018 that was the, name, uh, the, the date for the show. Two really good matches in this. There was a Wrestle One tag team match, which I thought was excellent. Uh, Ed Lindemann and T Hawk versus uh, Koji Doi and, and Suji Kondo, who are the tag team champions. Um, Lindemann and T Hawk just being absolute fucking pricks. Lindemann was awesome in this match, too. And I know this is a match you'll love, too. So definitely go out of your way and check this out if you can. And Lindemann and T Hawk being kind of the invaders from, uh, you know, the, the OWE and being, you know, Shima's guys sort of invading into Wrestle One. Just absolute fucking pricks in this match. Just the biggest dickheads you've ever seen in your entire life. L. Lindemann's just... T-Hawk's T-Hawk. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of always think T-Hawk's going to be better than he is. But Lindemann was on fire in this match. It was really Lindemann, good. Lindemann's getting cool well. rave reviews from people for his yes. work that he's done since he's been part of the Dragon Gate split. So, obviously, he was so you good concur, it seems. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard that that was kind of the rep around him. But, yeah, he was awesome in this match. I mean, he was... He's a little shit in this match. Like I said, he's a big absolute prick. And, like, Doi and Kondo are bigger than Al Lindemann and, and, and can throw him around or whatever. But he uses little taxes here and there. But what's cool is that anytime they do catch him, Kondo just, like, takes his head off with a clothesline or, or just destroys him with a, a German suplex. But Lindemann finds a way to just kind of sneak out of it or squirm out of it or just be do something to annoy them or whatever. But I thought it was exactly, you know, it's, it's what I, I would love Taichi matches to be without the interference. There wasn't any interference in this match. It's just one guy being a prick and it comes across so well when a guy's a prick and he's a heel and he's definitely doesn't belong. And they, they do a great job of making it seem like they don't belong and making it seem like they don't want to belong as well. The Lindemann and T-Hawks. So it's a really, really fun match. If you get a chance to watch that, uh, there's also an eight, uh, eight man elimination match with uh, Shima uh, and a bunch of, it's just a bunch of guys. It's basically just Shima beating up, children for uh like 10 minutes so pretty fun to watch that there's also some real shindy dudes uh big money crunch and big money strong that are in this match that look like the love children of the dark city fight club and mvp uh it's a these very are these bizarre are thing students. i guess they're money no these are, i don't even know where these guys came from apparently they're like from an la promotion so i don't know if they bought their way there if they're buying oh, to these get were, in with Shima. Oh, okay, i have no okay, idea so these are two just got new guys that don't that wrestle one is debuting I think so. Yeah, I forget exactly what their their relationship is, but yeah, they're there. They kind of stink, but it's not fine. They're all right, but yeah, this is just Shima beating up youngsters, and it builds up to a, a, a Shima a Jiro match, which is pretty awesome and definitely something I need to see. Uh, and then the main event was okay. It was a little long for my take, but uh, Manamu Soya versus uh, Shitaro Ashino and Ashino winning the title back. Well, uh, well Soya and Ashino had a really good match last year. Was it last year or the year or this early? I think it was last year. I think earlier this year, February. I think is when they made that title switch, right? Um, yeah, I can't. Yeah. You... I, if that, if I remember correctly, yeah, Shino won the title from Soya in February or March or something like that. Somewhere in the spring, I think it was. Yeah, they've had a good match uh, before. It was built around uh, legwork. I don't know what the, you know, this one, uh, this was good too, or? 
It was good. It was just it was long. It's very very long, very slow moving uh, at times, but still pretty good uh, and a good cap to this match. I mean, the final two matches were that Doi uh, Kondo uh, Lindemann T Hawk, and then this match. I would think are well worth your time. And Russell One is is you know I, that's why I asked for it. And I was like, all right, you know what? They have a story that the Shima invading with his you know former Dragon Gate guys has me a little amped up. And everything I've seen from them have been pretty awesome. And this was a show that everybody said, oh, if you have not seen it, especially that tag match, Joe, you you need a cleanse. You need to feel good about wrestling again. I promise you, this Doi Kondo Lindemann T Hawk will cleanse. Well, whales uh, you. that will it'll definitely. I have a playlist of all of the uh, Strong Hearts versus Russell One. The whole feud. Uh, K- oh, great, great. put it yeah, together yeah. so. You know, on a lazy uh, Saturday, maybe this weekend, I'm going to watch the entire feud from start to finish, including the stuff you're talking about. And I'm going to catch up on the Wrestle One Strongheart stuff. The Manabu Soya uh, Shotero Oshino match was uh, March 14th. I gave it four and a quarter. I just looked it up in my notes. Yeah, yeah, that was fantastic. I remember that. I like that yeah. match a lot. And, and that yeah. was one of Oshino's weaker title matches because he had a really awesome title run when he had the title, the. Uh, uh, the first time, and that that was one of his weaker. I thought some of the other matches in that title run were even better than that one. Um, so so yeah, yeah so uh, I'm gonna check that out for sure because I, I'm into Ashino. I just haven't had time for Wrestle One this year, but it's definitely time to do a proper catch up. And you got me pretty hyped up about it, and I'm definitely gonna watch yeah, that. I guess, uh, I guess that's where I have to go. That's where I have to go for good wrestling. It's Wrestle One. I didn't know. This I had goes to, do to that, show but, uh, even uh, when the the usual places let you down. There's always great wrestling out there somewhere, and everyone universally says that this All Japan Corican show is awesome. So I'll be watching that this weekend too. Yeah, so we'll we'll cleanse ourselves with some good wrestling. But uh, final topic here before we uh, get out for the week. Uh, this was reported earlier in the week. Uh, PW Insider had it first. Uh, Impact Wrestling officials recently met with WWE officials at WWE HQ. In Stanford, Connecticut, Impact was represented by Ed Norholm and Scott Demore, while WWE was represented by members of Triple H's team. Vince McMahon was not there. Uh, the original report noted that the meeting was a general discussion about the two companies and a chance to get everybody in the same room, but not any specific kind of negotiations. An Impact source added that the meeting had nothing to do with the pen- potential sale of the company or its video library, as neither are for sale. Uh, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave, had a little bit of follow-up, said that the Impact officials were pitching while WWE officials were listening to their ideas. That's all the... Uh, ideas that we have there. Other observer also adds that the belief is that the meeting did have to do with the WWE Network and the Impact Tape Library. So, Joe, what do you make of this uh, meeting uh, between Ed Norholm, Scott Demore, Impact officials, and members of Triple H's WWE team in Stanford? I take that that could be a smokescreen and be absolute bullshit. Uh, we all know that Anthem wants out. We all know they're trying to sell. Uh, look, I'm just saying, my God, this is nothing. I, I talked to a couple different people on this. And initially, I thought for sure it was to talk sale because a lot of people in the company who would have known about this didn't know about the meeting, which immediately sets off some some red flags. Because if you you know in business, when you're trying to unload your company, you don't tell everyone who's currently running your company that you're doing so. The the, the few key people who need to know know, because you don't want to raise panic among your among your staff and your employees. So. Yeah, or you don't want them to say, fuck this job, I'm not going to give any effort. Well, exactly, yeah. say business as usual, guys. Yeah, don't you don't want to raise yeah. pat. You don't want them to start looking for another job or, like you say, throw in the towel on effort or just raise mass panic. So it's usually one or two key people who will know what you're doing, what you're up to. And that's what this screamed of when I first heard about it because a lot of key people were not aware of this meeting. Um, so it is entirely possible that this whole thing of, ah, we're just trying to make a deal to get on the network or whatnot, that could be a smokescreen. I'm not saying it is. That's just my gut based on 
the information that I gathered from talking to multiple sources about this story when it first broke. Um, now, could I be wrong? Absolutely. Could it just be what Dave is reporting? Absolutely. I guess time will tell. Um, but I, I don't know how you get in a room, uh, these two forces in a room, and at least not have a cursory discussion about what it would take to just buy out the company entirely. Um, especially when you know that, you know, it, it, it's not as if it's, it, it's, it's a secret that, that Anthem would listen to offers at this point. So, um, so I don't know. It's always interesting when these two do get in a room, though. You know, even though Impact is doing a fraction of the viewers it was doing at its peak and doesn't have the same, you know, uh, it, it, it's still, historically, it would still be big news if they did any kind of significant business. Forget WWE buying them out. Just, it'd be crazy to have Impact on the network. Wouldn't that be wild? That'd be kind of wild. So, oh yeah, we said that that would be. I mean, honestly, would <laughs> from a, a weirdly selfish, st- you know, standpoint, I'd be fine with that. You know what I mean? Like, I'd I'd enjoy. Like, I do not want Impact to get bought by WWE because I think, again, we talked about it with MLW. It's good to have competitors, even if it is Impact, even if it is sort of that. And there's been years where I, I've said, "Fuck Impact, it's over. Who cares? Let's get them bought out and let's get them away because someone else will take that spot. Someone else will move up." But I think Impact's been doing some good stuff. They've been, you know, presenting themselves as an actual. Not a competition in any way, shape, or form, but you know, being there, you know, being in the space. Yeah, well, a look bit at it. And, and look at it this way. Look at it this way. If MLW didn't exist, Pentagon and Phoenix might be in WWE. That's right. why you need. This is why we, when we say competition, of course, it's not real competition. They're fucking, you know, light years ahead of all these companies, but it's still competition in in like these little micro senses. You know, with you know, with something like this. Um. So. Right, they they win little battles sure. along the way, even though they're they're definitely losing the war. And those little battles add up, and they, they are important to us little niche fans or whatever. So yeah, there's been year, like five years ago, I would have said, "Fuck it, who cares? Just get bought out and, and let's get done with this already." But I kind of like what Impact's doing a little bit. But selfishly, you know, Impact was on the network, you know, all the all the all because we have said the great thing that's going to happen one of these days. We don't know when it's going to happen. Is when people have easy access to all of Impact's old stuff. The rewatch of Impact is going to be something that is going to blow up because people are going to find stuff that they never knew was good. They're going to find stuff and laugh about it. Like the rewatch game on Impact is going to be nuts when it eventually does drop or whenever it eventually comes to a big platform and stuff. And I know that a lot of it is on the, the, the GWN or whatever, but when it's on a, a platform like the WWE Network, that's when it's all going to break and people are going to really be able to catch up and watch every single Impact and that sort of stuff. And that's where it's really going to uh, uh, be a tremendous thing to see it kind of go, but yeah, I don't want that to be the, the case right now. I mean, that's not, obviously not, I think it's a good idea now where impact is where, you know, that, that, that they are where they are in the space. And I think they're doing a good job. So I don't want to see that. So hopefully it, it is nothing more than just, I don't know what it is. You know, who knows? It could be one of those things. And I, I think you and I both know this from business where you say we're not for sale, but eh, you know, if you send a check our way, we'll look at it, you know, and that's all it is. And, and impact is well in the rights to do that. And the Anthem guys at Norholm, especially as well in his rights to say, Hey, look, if they're going to give us some stupid money for this company that's bleeding, we don't care. Yeah, sure, we'll take it. So you don't come in saying, hey, we're for sale, what's your offer? Come in saying, yeah, so, hey, how's it going? Yeah, we're shooting the shit, and hope that a, a check gets slid to you, or a number gets written on a piece of paper and slid to you, and then it's up to you to decide, okay, well, yeah, no, 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 we're not trying to sell it this time, or, oh, really? Okay, yeah, yeah, let's do it. You know what I mean? Like, that could absolutely be what it is. Test the waters, see how the relationship is, because we know that they're not, we know this is not, like, any sort, if if Anthem was get given a money, if Ed Norholm was getting a piece of paper with a figure on it, would sell the money, sell the company in a heartbeat, right? 
in a second, even if he can say. I mean, the only thing worth anything is the is the tape library. Right. Exactly. They, they have nothing else of value right now. So, uh, you know, even even the contracts. I mean, most of the wrestlers that they're pushing are people that are contracted elsewhere, or freelancers, or indie guys, or you know, you know what I mean. So it's like there's nothing of value there except the tape library. So, and, and you're right, it would be more convenient just to have it on the network because you don't want to go pay for Global Wrestling Network. So just give me all that shit on the network. I can see where you're coming from from that perspective for sure. Yeah, like selfishly and in, in, in terms of what I would, I would. You enjoy rather have a nice, convenient TNA section on a TNA pay per view section on the network, so you can fuck around and watch TNA pay per views you've never seen. Yeah, because yeah. you're never paying for Global Wrestling Network to do that. It's just. It, Probably but if not, it, but no. if it's all bundled in and you're nine ninety nine already, it, it's a nice little section to have in your little vault, you know, right next to fucking a, in between AWA and fucking world class. You got your TNA, and it's nice and easy and right there for you. But you know, as a, as a, as a fan too, I don't want to see that happen. So it's it's kind of this weird. Well, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind them having putting getting their if if they if if they I wouldn't mind them having their content on the network and still operating as a separate entity. Right, which could be what it is. Hey, we'll sell. Well, that's how our, I took our, that. Our, that's how I took library. that report. I took that report as they just want to get their content on the WWE network, not necessarily even sell it to them. Mm-hmm. But if if that's the case, if I'm WWE, why do I do that? I'm just advertising you. No, there's no reason to do that. Yeah, if, if I'm WWE, all I want from Impact is I want your tape library and I want to be able to use your footage in AJ Styles and Samoa Joe documentaries and and stuff like that. You know what I mean, like. And know that they don't have any assets and that they're bleeding and just say, hey, here's your... Similar to WCW. Similar when they bought WCW for a bottom barrel figure of, hey, we know what's going on with you guys, so here you go. If you want it, you know, this is what we want for your tape library. Okay. You know, that, that's that's all they have to... They're in very far position of power in this where Impact is... Well, is, well is yeah, if, not. if, so, yeah, if, I, if I, I'm the WWE side in that room, the conversation is just, hey, look, we either buy it all and own it or we're not interested. Because... Yeah, you know how many subscribers do you have for Global Wrestling Network? Even if we add all of those, it's insignificant to us because we we know it's not a lot. So you know it, it's 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 either all or nothing. I'm either buying all of it and putting you out of commission, or this conversation's over. If I'm the WWE side, I could totally see why the Impact side would want to get their footage on the network, but I don't know what kind of proposal you can draw up to where that looks attractive to WWE without outright selling it to them, which may have been the proposal. Maybe they're willing to give up the rights to their footage while still operating as a separate entity. That would be wacky, but maybe that influx of cash that they think they can get from that would be beneficial to them. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Where, okay, you can own our footage, but we we still want to, you know, we don't want to completely shut down our operation, but you own our footage now. Or, or you own all of our footage after it's X amount of months or years old, or whatever the case may be. That'd be thinking outside the box, but well, who knows uh, what they were in that room discussing. But uh, Yeah, and, and it should be noted as well, I mean, we mentioned MLW, we mentioned like these weird, like they're so far behind, but still any sort of competition is competition that WWE doesn't really want. You know, another entity in this space is not, they just well, don't Well, want yeah, it. they and just lost the out. The opportunity arises lo- to buy them, then it's better. I mean, it's better. It, they their overall costs for talent is less if impact Correct. goes away. Yes, impact is irrelevant in a larger point, but then there's less options for people to go. There's less places for people to go. There's less negotiating that needs to happen if there's no other game in town. Even if that game is impact, which is uh, completely irrelevant, but for some wrestlers it might not be. For some wrestlers it might be a, a Sam McAllen type has been able to find a nice kind of 
you know, launching, you know, in, in, in terms of going, leaving WWE and going to and doing indies and eventually settling an impact, but just having that be there, just having it be there in some ways can, can, can affect WWE even on a, a very small micro level, but still just getting rid of them, you know, then it's one less thing you have to worry about. And that's when you're in a position of tremendous power, you buy little dumb companies, big, big giant corporations buy the dumbest fucking companies you've ever heard of in your life. Just because they don't want them in the space anymore. They don't even want them to bubble up for even a half a second. Just go away. Here's your money. We're, it's only us. You know, that's that's standard business practice for sure. And and yeah, it makes all the sense in the world that they, you know, approach impact about it. All right, Joe, anything else before we get out of here for this week? No. You are done. All right. So that was our week of terrible, terrible, mediocre shows. Uh, anyway, uh, as plugs again, voiceofwrestling.com slash Amazon. Any purchase you make. Using that link will help us out a little bit. Uh, same Amazon shopping experience, same prices, everything's the same. We just get a little percentage back. So make sure any purchase you do on Amazon, you do it by going to voicewrestling.com slash Amazon first. And of course, you mentioned the Voice Wrestling Patreon. Uh, tiers start at $2. We also have a $5 per month uh, premium access as well. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling to do that. Get all the great stuff that we have to offer there. Uh, Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Also, voiceofwrestling.com, some great stuff coming up this week. Uh, great columns. We're starting to get some historical stuff up again, which I really do enjoy. Uh, we have a really good thing about the new fabulous ones that I think a lot of people will enjoy uh, if you want to learn a little bit about wrestling history, but a lot of good stuff. Uh, previews of all these shows, reviews of all these shows, voiceofwrestling.com. Uh, voiceofwrestling.com slash forums, of course, our discussion forums. You definitely want to go there. Uh, any topic about pro wrestling, we are probably talking about right now uh, at voiceofwrestling.com slash forums, at Voices Wrestling on Twitter. Uh, Voice of Wrestling on Facebook, and then last but not least, voicewrestling.com slash newsletter, our weekly newsletter. Uh, catch you up on everything that's happened at the site in the last week, voicewrestling.com slash newsletter.